Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy at Floors to Your Home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot, that's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Full disclosure, it felt really good to see Tyrese Halliburton back at practice today and meeting with the media a little bit earlier today because since that Knicks game, that third quarter injury, it's not just been the results, which have not been good for the Pacers. But you just kind of miss the flow and the enjoyment of the basketball game when he's not a part of it out there with him. And nothing against anybody else. But as we've talked about with this Pacer team, they can be good, but they can also be bad. And they can be bad with or without Halliburton, but it is a better opportunity to take your chances with him. And you can tell just how much they missed him when he has been out. So we'll see coming up on Thursday, where they go Thursday, Friday, Sunday, I believe, is the way that it looks here. With the Lakers and the Kings coming up Thursday and Friday in a back-to-back. But I am glad. I was really happy. Really happy to see that Tyrese Halliburton, and again, it would have been talked about at the end of the weekend on the, the Bally Sports, Bally Sports Indiana Pacers broadcast. I think JJ had brought that up, that there's probably going to be a Tyrese Halliburton sighting by the end of the week or the weekend, and it would stand to reason that you would want to get back. I mean, you like to play against the Lakers, right? We'll see if LeBron James is playing, but you would like to play against the Lakers, LeBron, by the way, didn't play last night against Brooklyn. Lakers and the Knicks coming up later on tonight. LeBron closing in, I think, a buck seventeen away from setting the all-time record, scoring record in the NBA of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know what's interesting? When you go back on that, and you remember those days, and obviously I'm a kid of the 80s, so I got to see a ton of Lakers stuff in the 80s. There was no more a money make. I didn't want to say the other thing because you guys would all giggle. 
That's not a good way to start out the show. There was nothing better, signature shot-wise, than the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. It is so incredible how far away we are from that right now. When is the last time any of you saw anybody in the world outside of your grandpa playing at the Y in his jean shorts shoot a hook shot? There was nothing more money in the NBA for a couple of decades than that. And if you're an anti-Laker fan then, it drove you nuts. I don't know what LeBron's signature is, just kind of going at you, I guess. I mean, it really doesn't feel like the signature is a three-point shot. Certainly not. Just kind of going at you. And just being incredibly talented. But with Kareem, it was always just kind of getting there, posting up, and going to that sky hook. Always money. No doubt about that. Lakers coming up later on this week. Tyrese Halliburton, we will follow that story. But I know you Pacer fans are incredibly excited that he is back. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned it, too. I know that I did mention the Lakers are in Madison Square Garden tonight. And LeBron is back in that game against the Knicks. Did not play last night against Brooklyn. Back tonight against the Nets. So I guess he could score what 70 or something like that tonight give himself an opportunity Thursday probably not that being said Thursday return to Halliburton Daniel Tice should be making his debut I don't know how long the debut is going to be will he debut and then get traded Bobby Marks is going to join us coming up in the five o'clock hour for a variety of things including the nuts and the bolts of that two-year extension of Miles Turner And I think I've told you this before, when I start trying to comprehend numbers in my little tiny brain, it doesn't turn out very well. It has to be like big, fat numbers. I can't, all this other stuff floating around in there gets all mixed up. And so I have to bring somebody on here to further explain it, to make it make sense to you. And that's what Bobby Marks of ESPN and ESPN.com ESPN's general manager of the NBA is going to join us coming up at 5.30. We'll talk about that. Again, all the insights to that deal and about some of the hottest players as we work toward the NBA trade deadline, which is a week from Thursday. OG Ananobi, been a lot of conversation there. He's going to miss a week, by the way, with an injury. Yeah, the Pacers have had some rumors. I don't know how substantiated these rumors have been, but I think Vanderbilt had been one. Where is he right now? Utah, Jared Vanderbilt? Had been one, one name that had been mentioned. Forgot Josh Mullenix is in here today. He's a big-time Memphis fan. I can ask him about anything Grizzlies, and I think he can answer the question, which is all good because we know that the Grizzlies ran roughshod in the third quarter over the Pacers on Sunday. Were you at that game? Did you go? I was not. Okay, you normally go to Memphis games, though, don't you? Yeah, I was. I was at the one that when they were here a few weeks ago. Why do they talk so much junk? Is that just what they do, or is it two? Is it Morant and is it Brooks, and that's it? And Bane, Bane will get in your face. Does Desmond too. Bane talk a little junk? I like Desmond he, Bane a great he's deal. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He was one of those guys that had no D one offers except the one that oh, he yeah. got at TCU. That kind of guy. He came on this summer and he was fantastic for sure. 
Fantastic. But no, when you look at it too, be interesting to see what the Pacers look like once they get reestablished with Halliburton. And if at all, there may be any maneuvering going on coming up prior to the NBA's trade deadline. But the movement in general, you know, normally what you get, you get all this conversation and very little return on that conversation. And I'm expecting a lot of that. But some movement you probably will end up seeing. Later on tonight, 9 o'clock, the 9 o'clock Eastern time zone tip. I mean, why are you in your 20s, right? Like, I'm an old guy right now. We play at 9 o'clock during the week, like normally on a Tuesday night tonight at 9 o'clock. And I can't go to bed till like 3 in the morning. It is brutal for me. I like playing, but it's brutal. And I know people always kind of talk about how you get the Eastern time zone, 9 o'clock start, and that's really difficult, especially for the road team. And this is going to be a tough one for IU. I use winners of five consecutive. No doubt about that. Get a win on the road against Minnesota. Get a win on a road against Illinois. You don't want to bust that streak. And as I mentioned yesterday, you've got back-to-back must-wins, don't you? You've got back-to-back must-wins because we have to set the stage. There has to be a stage set for Saturday. I know it's the first meeting. I know it's the middle portion of the Big Ten regular season. Why does it really matter? Because for the first time in a long time, you have got a lot of positivity swirling around both programs. You have the unanimous number one in West Lafayette. And they show every single inch of that when they play. This is not a team. Normally, you can break down a team and say, well, you know, they barely squeak by Maryland at home. Or they barely squeak by Michigan State on the road. Or five better than Michigan on the road. It's not like that they're blowing the doors off of everybody. But, man, they just win. And when you watch them win, what they do better than anybody that we have seen consistently so far is what? Can you answer that question? What they do consistently better than anybody else that we have seen so far is close games. Is execute in those final moments. And all that BS we have to hear from every single coach that's ever entered and exited our lives executing late now all these cliches but that is so true from purdue that to me has been so far this year their most outstanding quality not just winning late but executing for the win late and we've seen a variety of pieces of that whether it's been on the road or as i mentioned a couple of weeks ago at home against maryland And normally you don't see that from a backcourt that does occupy a couple of freshmen. Again, when you look at players nowadays, they are freshmen. But when you think about it, most of these kids, in in terms of Generation Xers out there, when we played basketball, some of these kids play more basketball and practice more basketball than we ever did before they're in fifth grade now. It is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like my daughter, I think my daughter has practiced and played more, and she's in seventh grade now, than I did throughout my career. And I played all the time, considered playing all the time. We all did. It was just different. 
When we wanted to hoop, we went outside. And those stories are true. Did you really put on gloves and go outside and shoot in the snow? Yeah, because Eastern Green had the stinking gym locked up with a chain. They wouldn't allow you in. I didn't have a key. I couldn't pick the lock. And then I probably couldn't get a ride up there. I'd have to walk or take somebody's car when I was 12. Nobody ever did that. Drove without a license. Come on. No, but seriously, it has changed so drastically right now. When you look at the freshman backcourt of Purdue, it's it's not like that these guys are your typical freshmen. First of all, they're talented, incredibly talented. But secondly, they have been in a lot of these situations. They haven't been at the Breslin Center, right? Haven't been at Mackey Arena in late game situations. But most of these situations, they probably have been through a number of times. It is just different nowadays. Sometimes I think about it, too. I don't know if if it's always different for good reasons. But I also think about this. If, you're, if you love hoop and you constantly play hoop, that's a good thing to me. That's an enjoyable thing to me. If you love it, if you really want to be there, if you don't want to be there, you don't want to suck the fun out of those that really want to be there. But if you really love it, Yeah, the options and opportunities that you have nowadays as you're growing up were certainly more robust than we ever had back in the day. But those freshmen in the backcourt, a huge reason as to why late-game situations Purdue has been so good, has executed so well, and it's just not the same at that level as it once was. And you can certainly see it with this group, but that's at the top of the list right now. People are going to talk about Zach Eady. There's no doubt player of the year. Kevin Willard, who's the head coach of Maryland, he has tabbed to this point Trace Jackson Davis as being player of the year. He's in the conversation right now. There's no doubt about that. But you bring that up. You bring that up in the days leading up to your matchup at home at 9 o'clock tonight against IU. You bring that up. You're not going to say, well, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is really good, but Zach Eady is the best player in the Big Ten and in the country right now. Now you're going to hype up. You're going to hype up Trace Jackson Davis, just like you would hype up Zach Eady in similar fashion before you play Purdue. That is Coach Speak 101 right there. Because they can tell you that we are telling the truth, the absolute truth, but at the same time, they are also wizards at BSing the crap out of you if they want. But again, the conversation can be had. The debate can be had. To me, it's Edie right now. But you can have a debate. You can have a conversation. See what Trace has to offer on the road coming up later on tonight. See what IU has to offer on the road later on tonight. When you think about IU in terms of winning five consecutive, what stands out to me, and we've seen a couple of differences, but... I think four of those games, it has been consistent from start to finish, defensively and offensively. Now, that Minnesota game was a bit of an outlier because they had to lean on the one sure thing that they have. I mean, Hood Shafino has stepped up big, but he's not been a consistent sure thing. The only sure thing that they have had has been Trace Jackson Davis, and against Minnesota, that's exactly what they had to lean on. 
Yeah, against Ohio State, Hood Shafino was lighting it up, shooting the three. You know, prior to that, I mentioned Tamar Bates had a game against Michigan State where he's shooting the three well. Trey Galloway's had some of those games too, but the lone high-level consistency that IU has seen on both ends has been Trace, and you would like to see that consistency with others be more prevalent. And you would also like to see the consistency that you saw in that Ohio State game from Malik Renew. You want it, want that to be real. You guys remember the conversation we brought up with Tamar Bates after that Michigan State game? If there was something, remember, if there was something that you could bottle, that would be great. Ball side with Trace posting up and Tamar in that game knocking down threes. And then man, you're spinning that defense who may want to come over and double, but at the same time, you figure out if somebody is shooting the ball well that you can't go over and leave that person, and that puts your defense in a really bad situation. That lasted for one game. You would really like to start to see some consistency. And in terms of Malik Renew, he looked really good in that first half against Minnesota. And I can't say inexplicably, because they had an explanation. It just didn't make a lot of sense as to why he only saw one possession in the second half. They talked about what they needed defensively, but I would also argue in that game you needed some offense. But you saw him step up and step up big once again against Ohio State. Hopefully hopefully you see from him as a freshman, you see him getting it. Hopefully you see him starting to get it. Because that is, it would be great if everybody would be more consistent. But in the low post area, as a freshman, he is a big, strong dude. And he can make, he can make that IU offense even more interesting on the interior if what we have seen the last two games, I should say the last game and a half, if that is starting to become a consistent aspect for the freshman. This is going to be a tough one later on tonight. Yeah, the 9 o'clock start, the East Coast, 9. All us old farts out here struggle with that, don't we? I guess I don't. Because I get about four hours of sleep. Now, it sounds sleep, thank you, Aurora. But it's about four hours of sleep just because I stay up and watch stupid stuff all the time. But IU in Maryland is a big one. I don't call it a trap game. There's nothing that, there's no like Maryland, hey, we're going to set a trap. It's not like you're rolling into Slippery Rock or something. It's Maryland. I mean, Maryland has a significant collegiate hoop resume. Maryland was within a possession at Mackey of Purdue nearly a couple of weeks ago. There's no trap there, is there? They're all, we're going to fall in a trap. But where do you think you're going? You're going to a good place, a good team. Not a great team, but a team certainly that can beat anybody you would think on their home floor. And certainly this IU team on their home floor. And you don't want a hiccup tonight if you're IU. And I don't care who you are. Purdue IU fan doesn't matter. You don't want a hiccup tonight. And you don't want a hiccup tomorrow with Purdue and Penn State. You want to see the clash not the band, but the clash of Purdue and IU coming up on Saturday afternoon. That's what we want. And then you can have the sequel 
later on at night at Mackey Arena in February. But that's how you want that set up for Saturday. So don't go screwing it up in the next two nights. Or you're going to hear about it from us. 239-1070 is the number if you guys want to jump on here. You can. We'll talk about a little college hoop with Greg Rakestraw coming up at the bottom of the hour here. Jason Belmonte. How many of you out there are huge bowling fans? I am not a huge bowling fan. I think I know enough to be either kind of funny. I don't know if I would say dangerous. Kind of funny. I mean, I know enough about, you know, Pete Weber, who's been on the show before. You know, Mike Albee, the old schooler guys. What's the guy? Ray Williams something or other. Three-name guy like me. Yeah, I know Kingpin. You know, the quote, it has three holes and you stick your fingers in it. Remember back when Randy Quaid was like normal? I shouldn't say normal. He was funny because you thought he was. Now, those days are apparently gone. Whether it was Kingpin or Christmas Vacation. Yeah, he's kind of, no- yeah, he's funny. He's funny and yeah, it seems like he's normal. Great role. Not so much anymore. But I, I guess I know enough to be dangerous. I guess I can say it that way. Jason Belmonte has, I mean, more than a handful, probably a wagon load of titles. And going on right now at Royal Penn at Woodland on the north side is the Bowling U.S. Open. And he would like to add... Another championship to his collection, and Jason Belmonte, the pride of Australia. And he bowls with two hands. Two-hand bowler. I think that's the first time I ever saw somebody bowl with two hands was him. He's going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour on this show. And I mentioned Bobby Marks is going to help us break down the Miles contract, what that means, what that means not just this year, trade deadline, offseason, but for the next couple of years. Where that right now places the Pacers as far as what they could add, what they might be able to do. Bobby Marks. He is the NBA executive for ESPN and ESPN.com. He's going to fall in here at about 530. All right, Colts head coaching search. Uh, We're still kind of where we have been. I know a lot of people like Brian Callahan. I can't dismiss it. I can't dismiss it. You know me. When you get an endorsement from Peyton Manning, I normally go, okay, well, that's good enough for me. Now, I'll also tell you that Peyton Manning also gave the endorsement for Frank Reich, but at the time, I think everybody was pretty cool about bringing on board Frank Reich as the head coach. Now, you probably look back on it and go, okay, not so much. By the way, Frank Reich was introduced as the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers earlier today. I actually went on with Jeff Rickard in Charlotte. Remember Jeff Rickard used to do the morning show here? He used to be the PD here. And he had asked me to come on in Charlotte and he was asking me about some things that went haywire with Frank around here. And, you know, part of what Jeff Saturday was was doing was obviously wanting to coach this team much past the interim basis. 
but he was also sizing up what was going on with the team. And we make light of that all the time. You're thinking, well, you got all these guys already on the payroll. Can you not find out intel from them? You have to bring in somebody. You're going to outsource this a little bit, somebody you trust more than those that are running the organization. But, you know, that was a part of the story. And you get some thoughts, you get some hearsay, you get some reports that maybe things were being a little bit lax middle toward the end of the Reich era here. Maybe some of those players were taking advantage of it. So that was one thing when asked about that that I had mentioned. And the other thing, the other thing is this, and we know that that Frank Reich never really legitimately came back from selling that bill of goods on Carson Wentz to Jim Irsay. I mean, that was something that he was never truly going to come back from. That was always going to be there. But at the same time, Frank was the head coach, and you would like to see maybe Frank, especially if he believed it, you would like to have seen him maybe poke his head in there a little bit more and go, hey, you know, maybe a little bit more modernized type of roster here instead of what we're doing. And I know what it sounds like. You say, well, you're just taking a shot at Chris Ballard again, and I guess I am. I guess I am. Because while Frank did not cloak himself well with coaching greatness around here, especially toward the end, it's not like that he got a great deal of help either from the general manager who was picking out that personnel for him to play. So there was a lot left on the table. I'll tell you what is really, really going to make me angry. I mean, not fake angry. Not like morning show yelling at one another fake angry, but really angry. If Denver somehow, some way lures Jim Harbaugh to Denver, I'm going to be kind of angry about that. And then I'm going to have to have some answers. But what are you guys thinking? Because remember, this the, the door is never shut with this dude. Like, I have a constant back and forth with this guy in my DMs. What do they say? They slide into your DMs. Well, this dude slid into my DMs. I don't really want him to slide in there, but he did anyway. And he said, hey, what you're talking about right now with Harbaugh, it's untrue. Then I sent him an article for NFL.com stating that he was having conversations with the ownership of the Broncos last week. And that was, what, two weeks after everybody thought he was secure. The president of Michigan said that they were secure with him moving forward as the football coach. It does not seem... Until everything is filled, that anything is ever done in terms of Jim Harbaugh sticking and staying. And it will drive me nuts if there was a way, a way to bring what would have been the perfect situation for a coach here. That'll drive me nuts. I don't know about you guys. Some of you guys are sold on the younger generation, some of the first timers. Maybe you're sold on Raheem Morris. Let's all face it. The perfect combination of coach all the way around would have been that of Harbaugh here. It just would have. It would have. Perfect for what this team, perfect for what the future, perfect for what this fan base that's trying to believe again needed. And if that goes someplace else, if you had the opportunity, but, and you can add after the but, whatever, well, we had the opportunity, but I think everybody should be angry about that. 
We'll hit that coming up a little bit later on. I mentioned Bobby Marks, Jason Belmonte, and Greg Raystraw is going to join us coming up on the other side. 239-1070 is the number. The email address is jam via 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, or you can see this Evan Williams Tavern Tour Stop shirt, thanks to Brent Halverson, our betting analyst. And you can get these every single time we're out for a Tavern Tour Stop every month of 2023. You can check it out, and you can get them when you show up at our live events. Next Tavern Tour stop has yet to be announced, but it will be coming up in the month of February. So inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you got HD Radio as well. You got us on the stream, the app. Josh Mullenix in today for Eddie. I'm JMV. We're just getting started. Great Greg Straws on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jason Belmonte, bowling champion. Part of the Royal Pin U.S. Open going on right now at Royal Pin uh, Woodland. Bobby Marks, ESPN. Hey, turn me up over here, would you, Josh? Because uh, our next guest, our first guest today, he see if I got they got something going on there. Is that anything? Is it playing right here? Play play what I have, would you? This is the Egyptian lover, Egypt, Egypt, hip hop song, nineteen eighty four, as you can tell, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Friend of the show who called in to request this first-timer on the JMV Takeover Saturday night is Greg Rakestraw. Were you shocked that I played it? Not shocked at all, uh, because the only time you've not played something that I requested was you were concerned that you couldn't find a clean version of it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think there was a swear word in the original, which was tap the bottle and twist the cap. Right on. You know, as I was listening Saturday night, like the guy that I heard maybe a couple of songs before me requested ACDC, you shook me all night long. I'm like, you know, it's, it's a fine <laughs> song. I, you know, it was a part of every junior high dance sure. was a part of it, Lanesville. But knowing you've got six hours every Saturday night, I try to call and request things that have not been heard in a lengthy amount of time. Like, I would guess that that was the first time Egyptian Lover has ever been played right. on B105.7. Maybe in a previous life when 105.7 was owned by a different company, maybe, maybe that song actually would have been played there years ago. But now that you've been doing this show for two and a half, three years, I figure I, I try to, not a, not a chance to stump you, but a chance to expand the palette for the listeners across Central Indiana. I don't know if Kenny Kicks over there would play that. You think? I don't know <laughs> I if he'd never... play that right now. I don't know if he's got that one of his mixes or not. I, I thought that that was, that was highly unusual but awesome, and it sounded good on the air too. I figured you would appreciate that much as you appreciated my AB Logic hitman yes. call from earlier in the summer. No doubt about that. Uh, how you size up IU in Maryland and, and really – an Eastern time zone, nine o'clock start. And I'm not trying to add any excuses here because IU, it's going to be tough for him anyway, I believe. But how difficult is that for that nine o'clock or Eastern time was? I think we as fans make a much bigger deal out of it than the players do. 
They are so used to playing at different times of the day in college before that an AAU ball. Your day is so structured, you know, leading up to a game in terms of, hey, we're practicing, we're having our walkthrough this many hours before the game. We have our team meal this many time this amount of time before the game. I don't think that's a big deal in the slightest, to be honest with you. How do you think the matchup goes? Last time we really watched Maryland against Purdue, and that was a one possession win at Mackey for the Boilermakers. So Maryland hadn't been across the board incredibly impressive, but they're certainly still good enough. You've seen IU now win five consecutive. What's been your impression on their turnaround in these last five, Greg? First of all, very impressed because it was going in the absolute opposite direction. So the fact that this group, even through injuries, has had a chance to do an about-face and now are playing themselves into being the second-best team in the Big Ten is is pretty impressive. In terms of tonight's game, I think it's all about the Hoosiers. You know, if, if the IU show, that shows up that showed up at the barn last week, then we saw that any team in the Big Ten can hang with them. To IU's credit, they did enough late. They won the game. They got the road win. They got out of there with a victory. Um, and so for Indiana, it's really about what Indiana team shows up. If Indiana brings their A game, they're capable of beating anybody in the Big Ten. That includes Purdue. Um, and if they bring their A game, I'm not sure how many can catch them in the Big Ten, and that applies to Maryland. So tonight is not about what Maryland does. Tonight's about what Indiana does, if they can keep playing the way they have played really for four of the last five games. So Greg Rakester on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I had mentioned, especially in the last game and a half, Malik Renew has stepped up and played well, and you kind of wonder maybe if he's turning that so-called corner as a freshman. Um, and that would be great, but do you see somebody – from the outside shooting range that's possibly able to add consistent value because you hope sometimes that it's Galloway and it's been you know on and off. You hope sometimes it's Bates. He's had a big game. Most of his games that are big come at home. But can we see, can you hope for a little bit more consistency three-point shooting-wise from somebody outside the painted area for IU, you think, moving forward? I was going to say, do, do we count Miller Coppin in that range, or we consider him one of the one of the top two shooters? Uh, I, the, 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 I don't know if it's as important for him. Every week. I agree with what you're saying. I don't know if it's as important for him to me as it would be for Galloway or somebody like Bates to be able to do it. Because I mean, they they to me would have a little bit more uh, of a dynamic to their game off the dribble. I just don't think he has that. He's just kind of you know, you know shoot. He's kind of you know get the pass and shoot, skip pass and shoot, um, and that's it. It'd be nice if he did that more, but I just think those guys have a little bit more of a higher level to their game that they could add, and certainly IU offensively could use. As long as you have the high-handed dudes playing well, everything else is a bonus. In other words, you know what you can get from Trey Galloway, all right? You know you can get a little bit of everything from him. Always outside shot has been kind of the most spotty aspect of his, of his game. If he can knock it down, great. But you win because of what he does defensively and rebounding and little things, et cetera. As long as you have Hood Shafino and Jackson Davis playing well and on the floor and healthy and contributing 30 to 35 minutes a night, everything else is a bonus. So, yes, this is a better team when Malik Renew is, is, is playing better. It's a better team because Race Thompson is back on the floor. But as long as Hood Shafino and Jackson Davis are on the floor together, I think this team is going to be okay. 
So Greg Rickster on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I have tagged must wins for IU tonight and Purdue tomorrow against Penn State at home because we are bound and determined to get one of the bigger both sides playing well IU Purdue matchups we've seen since question mark. When's the last time? You got to go back to like the the late nineties. I think at this point, I know that's the last time that they were ranked in, in certain positions. And that's the thing I, I was, I was listening to the opening segment of the show. And you're talking about Zach eating the national player of the year conversation. Kevin Willard saying, Hey, I think trace Jackson Davis is, is the best player in the big 10 or the most important player in the big 10. And the immediate thought that I had to that was, isn't it nice that we're talking about the national relevance of teams and players of Indiana and Purdue simultaneously, because we just haven't had that for so long. So uh, I think both teams, clearly Purdue, has played themselves to a point where these next two nights are not must-wins. I realize that my threshold for that is a lot higher than yours when it comes to things are must-wins because yours is pretty much a day that ends in Y. That makes it a must-win. Exactly. Um, It's nice, though, to have that for the national stage and to where we are legitimately talking about Purdue 1, Indiana 2 in terms of the best teams in the Big Ten. I know Butler fans probably don't want me to bring this up right now, and we felt that it was going to be a a tough season, a rough season, but certainly not this rough. Is that, you think, showing signs of the future, or is it just ultimately in the first year again for Thad Mata a bad season in general? Is this something you think that they can rectify further down the road? Down the road, yes, is because things can be so quickly fixed these days. You can turn things around, and it's a completely different level. But, like, I've got an IUPUI game coming up on Thursday, and sadly they're not the team that's turned it around yet. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing some things better. They're much better offensive teams. are getting closer to getting, to getting wins in the Horizon League. It's the team I'm going to talk about on the other side is Milwaukee, the team that they are playing, and it's a different level. I get that. But, for example, they basically have, like, an entirely new team. They returned three players from last year's team. The guys they returned averaged eight points a game last year. Their top seven scorers through graduation or transfer are all gone. That was a team that was in the back half, back third of the league last year. They're the top team in the Horizon League. They're not in three. They've won 15 games. Again, it's not apples to apples, but you can flip your roster so quickly that, to me, a bad year could be wiped away because you can just clean the deck, bring in a, a, a new cast and crew because of the transfer portal. And so I don't think it's a matter of Thad Mata forgetting how to coach. It's about Thad Mata having the right pieces, having the right assistant coaching staff, having the right schedule. Frankly, behind the scenes, having the right amount of money in terms of name, image, and likeness. These are all things that you now consider in terms of a program. So did I think Butler was going to be great this year? No. I think they'd be better than they have been? Absolutely. Can you change it on a dime because of how college basketball is structured now? You absolutely can. And so I'm not sure how much of a, 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 a carryover, a rough year this year, will have on Butler next year. Hey, you brought up IUPUI, and I'm probably being way, way too simple. And you certainly can correct me on this. I always thought if you just kind of make a circle in you know a yep. 90-mile radius of Indy here and just – I'm not talking about getting the best, 
but get guys that we know and you know can play. And again, it sounds, I guess, easier said than done. Is that something they try to do, or am I just am I just giving a fairy tale out when it comes to college it's, basketball recruiting? It's something they have pieces like that. I wish they'd do more of. Um, you know, for example, Vincent Brady has won the Horizon League Freshman of the Week four times this year from Cathedral. The Girard twins from Mount Vernon, uh, I always get the two of them confused. I believe it's Armand that has won twice uh, this year, including last week for IUPUI. So they have six different times a player's been honored as the Horizon League Freshman of the Week, um, and those are local kids. Um, I'd like to see more local kids in the program. Um, the example you make is something that I cite, and again, it's an old-school reference, but remember back in the day when Memphis State was really good, even in the pre-Penny Hardaway days? Yeah. And you would have yep. the public address announcer out, announce the hometowns of the five Memphis starters, and I guarantee you he said Memphis, Tennessee, five consecutive times. Yep. Kind of the same thought for IUPUI. Um, you know, the, 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 the old Howard Schellenberger days in football, the University of Miami, drew a line at Interstate 4. Everything south, that's the state of Miami. I draw a line around 465. That's where we live. Doesn't mean for all 15 players, but you have to dominate in that area, and I hope that IUPUI gets back to that point. Well, and I said the same thing for a number of years regarding Indiana State, and you know that included you know the area south of Terre Haute into Illinois, into you know southern Illinois, uh, going even further west out of I seventy with you know the talent in, ends up going someplace else, and you still have other teams to recruit against. But it does seem like, and always has to me, it sounds like a a very sound philosophy if you would choose to do it. Right. And again, Indiana State's a bit of a different, you know, animal. And again, that level is now going to be so transient where one of the things that Josh Schertz has done, and I think this is wise, and you see more schools that are doing this, they're going to guys with Division II backgrounds. It is easier to make that jump as a head coach because it's now easier to make that jump as a player. So you look at what Indiana State has done. Yeah, they've got a, I really like the Avila kid that is there as a freshman. It's a 6'10 that can shoot it. I like him. Chicago area, correct? Somewhere up there, I think? Correct. Yeah. All right. I forget exactly where he I did one of their games. I forget where he's from. Um, but you've got the niece kid from Cloverdale. That's the kid you want to recruit home. And really, they did him when he was barely at Butler for a day and a half. They recruited him back from Butler to play at Indiana State. But you look at a lot of their kids, their kids that were playing a good level of Division Two. you kind of have like the D2 All-Stars, and because of Josh's tenure at Lincoln Memorial, he kind of knows where those kids are. Um, I get all reference Milwaukee. Their head coach was at Queens, which is just making the jump to Division One, which was down in Charlotte. And he, he only brought like one Division Two kid with him, had a bunch of JUCO kids to turn it around this year. But you're, you're seeing coaches succeed where they're finding places to mine talent that others don't know where to do it. So that's the route that Indiana State has taken, and clearly it's been working for them at now 7-5 and five in Missouri Valley. Let's say Greg Raystraw with us. Before I let you go, I saw where uh, Chris Ballard's son, Cole, uh, is the quarterback for Westfield, and yep. apparently he signed with Kansas to play football at Kansas. I, I don't know too much about him other than he played quarterback, and I remember you go back to week number one, I believe it was, this past football season. I was listening on my way home, and there was a bit of a struggle for Westfield playing at New Pal in that game. What type of player is he at quarterback? Is he a, a college quarterback moving forward? Will they move him someplace else? How, how might that work? 
Good question. Uh, I only saw them one time, and that was the Carmel game this year where they were really solid. Um, my guess would be if he stays at quarterback, he's probably more of a program kid. In other words, I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get at that level. Athletically, I think they could move him to a different position, wide receiver, uh, defensive back, maybe even bulk him up the linebacker a little bit, and he might have a better chance of seeing the field. Um, I'm not sure I see him being a Big 12-level quarterback. I think he's a Big 12-level athlete. If he stays in the quarterback position, may have to, to switch schools to see a little more playing time. But I wish nothing but the best for that kid. What struck me was that he was a, a tough kid and a good leader, which is what you'd expect for somebody that literally has grown up around the National Football League. All right, quickly before I let you go, sectional play starts for the girls around the state of Indiana tonight. Your favorites there, and then your favorites once we get toward the end of the regular season for the fellas. All right, so if you go class by class, you know where my heart's at, and obviously the, the math backs it up, Lanesville. Uh, they are 24th in the state in Sagarin ratings, not in 1A, in everybody. Uh, 22 and 2. I'm hoping to see them three Saturdays in a row in the month of February, and the last record being at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The, the clear favorite in 4A is South Bend, Washington, uh, because of the two Reynolds sisters, the older one now playing at Maryland. They've got Rashad Allen, who's going to play at Purdue off of that team. They have to play some really good teams uh, in terms of the northern half of the bracket. Remember, comes out of the Hamilton County sectional at Noblesville, Fort Wayne Northrop. There's several really good teams in the Fort Wayne area, too. South Bend, Washington is the clear favorite. In terms of 3A, the best teams probably in the north. Who that's going to be, we'll find out. Twin Lakes is undefeated. they got to get past a pretty good West Lafayette team in their sectional. Good Mishawaka Marion team is in the northern half of the bracket, but you got to go with the undefeated team that catches your attention in 3A. In 2A, it could be anybody. Forest Park is the defending champs. Central Catholic was the 1A runners-up. They're now in 2A this year. But uh, I know we're, I, I, the most definitive favorite is 4A. And, of course, my personal favorite is always in 1A. There you go. All right. My friend, I appreciate that. Great request on Saturday, too. I'm assuming you'll give me another coming up this Saturday. What's, uh, what, what is this week's show topic? Well, I think they're doing something. It was, Eric told me yesterday it's like uh, the you know what they call the uh, jack format, where it's basically anything. But the problem is that's what I normally do anyway. It's kind of like that. So, yeah. so dealer's choice. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be dialing you up on my way back from Noblesville on Saturday night. You got it, buddy. Appreciate you. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Bobby Marks with all you need to know about the Miles extension, the benefits, and it seems all beneficial all the way around. That, the trade deadline, and as I love to say from Southern Indiana, Stafaket. Bobby Marks of ESPN, their NBA executive is going to join us at 530. Jason Belmonte from Australia, and he has got ownership of so much in terms of bowling. The U.S. Open in town up at Royal Penn Woodland. Jason Belmonte is going to join us at the 4 o'clock hour. Me and you at 239-1070. Don't go anywhere. Other side next. The Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.
Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. If you missed it yesterday, Pacer big man Miles Turner on the show. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. I mentioned IU Maryland. Hoosiers on the road later on tonight. That's an 8 o'clock get-together. 8 o'clock for the pregame show downstairs, WIBC. The tip time is at 9. So 8 p.m. WIBC with Don and the gang on the pregame show. And then 9 o'clock coming up later on tonight. That is IU and Maryland in Maryland, Purdue, and Penn State coming up tomorrow night. Lots of conversations regarding head coaching possibilities. Yeah, I just see this. David Craig says Panthers owner David Tepper admits mistake in hiring CEO type of head coach. The CEO type of head coach. I just kind of wanted somebody to come in here and be a little bit hardcore. Get this thing straightened out. Let's see how close we are to anything. Alex writes this. I don't want Harbaugh here because he can't seem to commit. To me, Harbaugh goes back to the NFL. Let's just say, for example, because it's the only thing that's being reported and or discussed is Denver. It does seem like he's going to see that thing through, right? He's going to go. Like his shelf life may not be lengthy, Alex. You may be completely right about that. But I have the feeling if he does end up going to Denver that he gets them in the spot that they're looking for and then may go about his business someplace else. Who knows? I just always thought that he was the best, the best head coaching, not candidate because clearly he wasn't here, but head coaching option out there for this group and this team moving forward. And you never really can say it's over in terms of him, can you? It always seems like once you think it's absolute and it's true, you get reports that there's still conversations going on. And that's reportedly in Denver. Bobby Marks, ESPN. He's the NBA executive for ESPN and ESPN.com. He's going to join us regarding the Miles contract, regarding the Pacers, regarding the trade deadline throughout the NBA. Jason Belmonte fantastic arguably the best in bowling right now he's going to make that appearance at the royal pin u.s open we'll talk about his past his future his presence with the bowling champion jason belmonte and your calls coming up in the four o'clock hour next pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw a little bit earlier. Bobby Marks from ESPN coming up a little bit later on. Miles Turner yesterday, podcast 1075thefan.com. Tyrese Halliburton and Daniel Tice 
Looking good to go coming up for the games this weekend. IU Maryland tonight, 9 o'clock is that tip. Trace Jackson Davis, I believe, right here coming up on Thursday as well. Robbie Hummel on Friday. Robbie Hummel is a part of the broadcast later on tonight. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, 30 PBA titles, I think 14 majors in all, and I'm hoping he got it right there because he hails from Australia. Jason Belmonte joins us. Can you name the group I just brought you in on with the re-entry music? Did you hear it? I couldn't hear it, no, but uh, my my ability to name bands uh, is pretty poor. (laughs) Oh, the church (laughs) from Australia. The church. Under Uh, the monkey wood. I didn't hear it to start with. But uh, I have heard of the church. All right. So what, what's your what's your favorite Australian band? While I have you here, mate. Um, it's it, they're not around anymore. But um, back in the day, there was uh, a couple of local. When I say local, they were in my area. Um, Birds of Prey was uh, one of my favorites. It's uh, it's a bit of an alternative rock band. Uh, they were really, really good, but they're not around anymore, unfortunately. They broke up, so that sucked. Was was, was Silverchair from Australia? If you remember, you remember that Silverchair is Australian, yeah. yeah. And that was uh, that. What they are? Well, Daniel, uh, the lead on that is just one of the most amazing musicians ever. So yeah, that's uh, that's well, another very, very popular. Band. Well, it was it was a bad host call right here. I played my own re-entries. I went more for the Australian band of my era than I would have. You're 39, so that would have been more Silverchair, your era. So that's Silverchair for sure. Yeah, yeah. operator error right here. I, I mentioned 30 PBA tour titles, 14 majors. How meaningful is this trip to Indy and what's what you're going to be going through here at the uh, Royal Pen at Woodland and the U.S. Open of Bowling? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the five majors that we compete on in the year and the U.S. Open's been um, you know, arguably the most prestigious of them all. So it's uh, it's always a thrill just to bowl the U.S. Open, uh, but it's it's probably even more special here in India because the uh, the venue that we're playing at is Royal Pin Woodland, and it's one it's the only bowling center in the world who has held all five PBA majors. So there's a lot of history. Uh, there's a lot of uh, amazing moments that have happened here in Indy, and to be competing at the U.S. Open again here is just uh, a really special thing. He is the best out there. Jason Belmonte joins us. You can see him at Royal Penn Woodland as a part of the bowling U.S. Open. We, we know in, in like sports like baseball and basketball and, and American football, and I'm sure you get that in Australia as well, there is a great deal. When you're, when you're at the level you are, normally there's a great deal of reflection on those that have come and conquered and played well before you. Uh, do you look back at those before you and, and, and place yourself against some of the greats of bowling all time? Um, well, I think the first thing you do when you look at the greats is you kind of um, have a, a massive admiration for what they're able to do. I mean, as as someone who competes on the pro tour, I know firsthand just how hard it is and, and how grueling the schedule is and how frustrating the game of bowling is. So the first thing you do is you look back at those who have done it and done it so well in the past and just think to yourself, like, these, how did these guys do it for so long? So there is an admiration. My, my thought process on how I will stack up against them is um, I'd like to – think about that and look at that when I hang the laces up for the very last time. I feel like while I'm 
while I'm here in the moment, I've got uh, a few things that I want to check off my, my bucket list. And, you know, if I get all of those things done, then I can maybe reflect on and see where that stacks up against uh, the history of the game. Jason Belmonte joins us, the 30 PBA Tour, 14 major, seven-time PBA Player of the Year. Uh, besides what is before you right now here in Indy, what are some of the other accomplishments you're still looking forward to as your career continues moving forward? Uh, well, I would love to win the U.S. Open for a second and third time. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to win it once, but if I am lucky enough to win it twice, uh, I will have owned all five major championships twice over. Uh, and if I win the U.S. Open a third time, um, I will have all five uh, major championships uh, won three times over. And that's that's really ridiculous to say out aloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never thought in my in my wildest dreams that I would get uh, to be two U.S. Opens away from winning all of the major championships at least three times. But that is something that's right there in front of me. I have a chance this week to uh, to get number two of the U.S. Open, and and that will be the the utmost uh, on my radar. Have you seen over the course of your career? the sport of bowling grow and how much have you seen of that grow since not since you've been playing you've been playing since you're you know a baby basically but how have you seen that grow with all of your stops on the tour yeah everywhere we go um we see that growth typically in the amount of fans that are coming out to watch us uh, or that are watching us and, and creating viewership on TV and also through social media. And, you know, a lot of those things, it's really, it can be difficult to say, well, how much has it grown? But, you know, when you have the data of, of how many viewers uh, we're getting every single week on, on FS1 or Fox and, you know, how many times our social media posts are getting shared, um, you know, that's, that's factual data in front of you that you can say, you know, the game of bowling is not just growing, but it's growing in the right demographics. It's, it's growing um, all over the world. Uh, and that's something that we bowlers are really proud of because that's, you know, and I, I, I think I can speak for all pro bowlers, but, you know, one of our passions is we don't want to just take from the game. We want to give it back. Um, and part of that is you want to give it back to more people. And so when the game grows, it's better for you. It's it's better for the game. It's it's better for for everyone involved. So it's exciting to see a lot of young kids and a lot of teenage kids coming out to watch us and and follow us through social media and on TV. And uh, we're going to continue to push that and grow it further. It's interesting. Jason Belmonte joins us. It, you've seen everything grow with with certainly social media and technology within the layers of your sport, how much has that technology and social media helped it out? And again, helped out not only your accessibility to the fans, but vice versa in this case, Jason. Yeah, look, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed through the advancement of technology with social media and YouTube and things like that is is access to information. I mean, when I grew up, I, I grew up in a, uh, I still live there, uh, in a really small country town in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have YouTube. And so everything that I had to learn on the lanes, I had to do through trial and error. I had to do through experience. Um, and that's, that's obviously 
really frustrating when you're constantly losing and you're trying to figure out why. And it can also be really expensive. You know, every paycheck I got, I saved to go to a bowling tournament. And if I didn't do well, um, that was a costly experience for me. However, now, you know, you can get on YouTube and you can watch the greatest players in the world and you can study them, you can learn from them. There are coaches and um, and professional players who are offering their wisdom through this means of technology, which, you know, now I look at the, the younger generations coming through and I'm seeing, you know, teenage kids who are bowling well beyond the years uh, that, that I was or what I ever saw growing up. And I think it's just that access is so easy now for them to do it, which allows them to really focus on parts of their game that they probably wouldn't have learned until, you know, maybe into their mid-20s. And, and so they've got a head start, which is really exciting because now you're starting to see the talent um, just explode throughout the world and it's a little scary i'm glad i'm 39 and not and not just starting out on tour because <laughs> the kids that are going to be on tour in the next 10 years uh are going to really give my records a run for my money it's uh, jason belmonte here with the u.s open that's at royal pin woodland tickets certainly are available seven time pba player of the year going for uh his second i believe u.s open title up at uh, royal pin of, of woodland here I, i'm curious you grew up your father had a bowling alley, a bowling lane, a bowling center, if you will. So speaking of, you know, kind of getting a head start, that gave you a head start. So was it just kind of, hey, I love bowling from the time you even knew what the heck it was when you were growing up in Australia? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I was born into bowling. Neither of my parents were bowlers themselves. They just thought the game of bowling would be a great business opportunity for, for my small country town. And so while they worked um, pretty much, you know, 15, 16-hour days, uh, I would be at the bowl. And to keep out of their way, they would give me a ball and a pair of shoes and I would just bowl and bowl and bowl all day long. And that love and passion was immediate. As soon as I could um, roll the ball down the lane by myself, which was at 18 months old, that's all I did. And that's all I wanted to do. It, uh, I would get withdrawals if I didn't, if I didn't have a role for a day. So that passion was, was, I, I actually say it's a part of my DNA now. Bowling is just something that, um, it is me and I'm forever grateful that mom and dad decided to build a bowling center because this is a game that I love to, to the very bone. I love how complicated it is, how difficult it is, how frustrating it is. Um, and I also love the sounds and the smells and, and the way that it makes you feel when you let go of that perfect delivery. So it is definitely a passion that was born into me and uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. Jason Belmonte is our guest. All right. So your, your two hand style approach, I guess, delivery to approach and delivery. Were you the first? And if not the first, what number were you that started with that particular approach and style? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not entirely sure what number I was. I mean, I did it um, out of necessity. Like I just said, I, I started at 18 months old. And so the bowling balls uh, in Australia were just simply too heavy for me to use a traditional style. And I didn't know any other way. We didn't have coaches uh, in my small town. And so I just figured out something that worked for me. And it wasn't until... Um, you know, 20 plus years into my career that I knew that 
uh, there were other people that had done this before me. Um, not very many, I should say that. I, I know of one American. Um, his name was Chuck Landy. Uh, and he, he, from what I have been told, I've never been able to see him throw a ball down the lane. But from what I'm told, he was a brilliant player in himself. And so... Um, you know, when when you start out and there's only one, two or three of you around the world, um, it, it feels funny <laughs> because uh, you, you see what it has become today. And, you know, there are an estimate of about 25 to 30 percent of bowlers around the world that have adopted the two handed style. And so it's it was something that I never thought I'd see, but now that um, I see it in front of me, it's kind of cool because now I feel like I've got a few friends with me all over the world. Uh, I'm curious. Has the two-handed delivery always been legal in bowling play? Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, I, I remember growing up, it was... That may be the dumbest because, question of all time, by the way, and I apologize if oh, that is. no, not at all. No, it's, it's, it's something that... Um, even today, traditionalists uh, are constantly trying to figure out and find ways to, uh, you know, call for its banning or, or for it to be illegal because it's breaking some rule. However, uh, there is no rule that we are breaking. And growing up, it was one of those things. Even in my own home family bowling center, there would be people that would be calling for me to to convert to the traditional way because the two-handed style should be illegal and you know it, it's it's not it's a much it's much easier now that I'm 39 to handle that kind of criticism but when you're a five-year-old boy and you're getting told by all the adults uh, hey you're cheating you should bowl like us um, that can be really hard to handle so one of the things I'm really proud of is the the new wave of two-handed bowlers you know if anyone ever says something about the legitimacy of their style they can always point to me and say well well, this guy does it, and, yeah. and I'm really happy to be to be able to be a, a beacon for that because I knew it was not it wasn't a lot of fun growing up and told you're cheating when you weren't. Well, somebody that knows doesn't know you personally very well, but follows you, says that you have, with your style, helped introduce bowling to a much younger generation. That's kind of how it was described to me. Is that is that true? You think that's true? Uh, well, that's. I mean, when I when I talk to people and I ask them when they when they show me how they bowl and and I say, oh, you know, that's you bowl like me, and they go, yeah, you know, it's 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 more powerful, and I can create more hook, and I can I can send pins flying all over the place, and I think that's what's attractive, especially to the younger generation of that style of play is, and it's what honestly it's probably one of the things that I fell in love with when I when I was able to bowl the way that I was is I could hook the ball so much and I was bouncing pins all over and to me that was cool and I think that's what the younger generation is seeing is the ability to make these pins dance unlike you know the generations before them is something really special and fun to do so when you see a young teenage boy or girl uh, bouncing the pins around, and then you look at their face. The expression says it all. You know, they're they're having fun, and ultimately, if you're not having fun doing something, it's very unlikely you will continue to do it for much longer. And so, if the way that I bowl has inspired many others to do it, and it gives them a sense of joy when they come to the lanes, um, you know, that's also something that that makes me feel really good. Do you have a bowling hero? Somebody you followed growing up? 
Uh, well, I was unaware of the PBA uh, right. until much later in life, but um, I have uh, three bowling heroes of mine throughout the years. I had my local hero, his name is Peter Brown. Um, I just did my hair like him. I wore the same types of clothes as him as a little kid. Uh, and then when I met uh, a gentleman by the name of Tim Mack, who was an American guy, um, Tim was doing things to a bowling ball that I wanted to do. And so I idolized him and I, I tried to become as good as him. And then moving into the pros was uh, Norm Duke. I watched Norm, um, who is a Hall of Famer, uh, recently retired, sadly. I, I miss seeing him out on tour. So, um, But watching Norm uh, attack the lanes the way that he did and, I bought my first bowling ball because of Norm and the way that he would throw it. And I would like, I've got to get that ball. Norm Duke is throwing it. So those are the three people that I've idolized growing up. How often did you ever match up with Pete Weber? Oh, we bowled on tour well, for my whole career until he retired also um, a couple of years ago. Got any good uh, story? We, you got any good stories working there? Any really good stories? Because normally... Pete Weber, if for nothing else, will bring the good stories with him. He's been on here before, too. I'm just kind of curious. Any good stories that maybe nobody knows about this? Well, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a story, uh, and then I'll tell you, you know, who he is. And I, I think that's probably – I'll start with who he is first because I think there is definitely uh, a misunderstanding of Pete. Who, who Pete is when he has his bowling shoes on – uh, is a completely different gentleman to the man who is off the lanes. Um, I've, I honestly can say I don't know a more sweet, um, gentle and kind person. Always, every time I ever saw him, his first two questions were always, how are you and how's the family? Um, he would you know, just be, like I said, just a, a really kind uh, human being. Now, when he puts the shoes on uh, to go bowl a few balls, he becomes a monster and you don't want to get in his way. <laughs> he becomes a, com- a completely different animal. And that was what made Pete so, so great is he, he was able to channel that type of aggression into his own games and, and just destroy pins. And so you watch him as a competitor, you didn't know what you were going to get because you just didn't know how fired up he was on the inside until he let it out. Um, but probably my most favorite story of Pete um, is I was only young too. Um, he, I, have, I wasn't on tour. I was an amateur. I'd come to the U.S. for a tournament, uh, an amateur tournament, and the pros were in town at the same time in, in Las Vegas. So I said to my friends, like, we've got to go watch the pros. You know, maybe we'll get a glimpse of some of these people. And Pete Weber was walking out the door as I was walking in. And I was starstruck and said, Pete, uh, is there any, any way that I could take a photo and, and have an autograph? And he was very polite and said, yep, no problem. And he heard my accent and he said, oh, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm, I'm bowling in an amateur tournament. In fact, I just got knocked out because um, I left a, a solid nine pin in the 10th frame. And he said, uh, did you have nine strikes in a row before the nine pin? I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, it wasn't the nine pin that cost you the win. It was the nine strikes before it you didn't have that cost you the win. <laughs> and it was, it was like the most humbling and truthful thing I'd ever heard. Here I was for like 
you know, a full day complaining about this nine pin, and then Pete just puts me in my place and says, well, maybe next time strike nine times before and you won't have to worry about the 10th frame all too often. So Outstanding. It was uh, wise words, but uh, it wasn't what I was expecting to hear out of his mouth. So that was that's one of my favorite pieces. <laughs> that's outstanding. Jason Belmonte, uh, people have told me the Tiger Woods of the PBA in town. When, when are we going to see you? Uh, well, we're we're competing right now. We start um, today. The we're at um, Royal Pin Woodland, uh, where we basically bowl all day long. So there's three squads, A, B, and C squads, starting at uh, 8 a.m. in the morning and finishing at 9 or 10 p.m. at night. So you'll see the world's best players uh, attack the lanes to try and take home the U.S. Open trophy all the way through to the TV show, which is on on the weekend. So if you're interested, you're more than welcome to come and buy some tickets and watch us play at uh, Royal Pin Woodland. And uh, I'm pretty sure the tickets for the TV show, uh, if they haven't sold out already, uh, are probably very close to it. So you can head over to, I think, pba.com. And you can find out all of the information about dates and tickets and locations and all that other stuff. I am going to send listeners of this show that are listening right now out there to yell at you in a good way. Is that cool? Okay. In a good way. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind a yell or two as long as it's uh, in support. <laughs> <laughs> it will be definitely in support. It is outstanding to talk with you. Congratulations on what you've accomplished so far. And uh, obviously, uh, nothing but respect and to go out and get it moving forward as well. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. And while you're here, and enjoy Indy and enjoy those watching you up there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Jason Belmonte right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. That's a good guy. That's a good guy. So if you're going to this event, yell at him, but in a good way. That's good. Jason Belmonte, again, what you got, Royal Penn Woodland and the U.S. Open of Bowling. It's ongoing right now. And I mentioned, too, you know, Mookie Betts of the Dodgers up there bowling. Jimmy Allen, the country music artist, who I believe this weekend is going to be a part of the Grammys presentation, is also up there. Uh, Check out the tickets online. And then remember to yell some words of support to our friend Jason Belmonte. That was really good. Hey, by the way, too, as we were talking to Jason, Adam Schefter reports that the Saints and Broncos are finalizing compensation to return for Super Bowl winning head coach Sean Payton. This clears the way for Payton to sign with the Broncos and become Denver's next head coach. Here's the compensation. Denver and the Saints... The discussion regarding the potential packages, one would be Denver's 2023 first-round pick and next year's second-round pick for Peyton and the Saints' 2024 third. The second would be Denver's 2024 first-round pick and its 2023 fourth. So that evidently is the Saints' choice. Right there. But it looks like that everything's getting done up right now to get Sean Payton as the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. And by football terms, that is a significant, don't giggle, package. 
significant. Andrew Barnett said, that guy is really cool. There's no doubt that guy is really cool. It's Jason Belmonte. All right. This also breaking, according to Adam Schefter, former 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans reached agreement today on a six-year deal. So the Texans now have their new head coach in place, D'Amico Ryan. So off the board, and it's not like either one of these guys were even in the running here. I don't think outside of just kind of some initial conversations and reports maybe of interest, there was ever anything with Ryan's. And the Sean Payton stuff went absolutely nowhere here because of the level of compensation it was going to take. So Sean Payton... They're getting everything gone, everything on paper, compensation-wise, to put Sean Payton as the next head coach of the Broncos. And D'Amico Ryans will take over the reins as a former player in Houston, too. But he will be on a six-year deal, the next head coach of the Houston Texans. That is the latest. Quick break, and we shall return. Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte, podcast 1075thefan.com, ESPN's NBA executive. Bobby Marks with a lot regarding the Miles two-year extension, the trade deadline, and more. Bobby Marks in the 5 o'clock hour. I got time for your calls at 239-1070. Let's get you on here next. The Ride. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. With JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Jason Belmonte was awesome right there. That was good. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. A segment late for the re-entry of Silver Chair for him. I went with my generation, the church, over his Silver Chair. I've got to be smarter than that. Hey, JMV, great interview with Jason Belmonte. I just wish it could have been longer. The history he could talk about would be amazing to listen to. Niners defensive coordinator and former Texans linebacker D'Amico Ryans, a six-year deal to become the next head coach of the Houston Texans. And the compensation has been discussed and I guess just about to be finalized for Sean Payton to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. It's like maybe a first and a third Maybe a first and a fourth. But the compensation and the finalization of Sean Payton in Denver should be coming up here. Should be complete relatively soon. Again, both of those reports courtesy of ESPN and ESPN.com. I don't know if Sean Payton is a surprise there because you knew Denver Denver was going to swing big. You've heard that in relation to to Peyton, you've heard, you know, reports of conversations between the Broncos and Harbaugh. So clearly, Denver was going to swing, swing pretty big on it, and they did. 
And a lot of people say, well, you know, Sean Payton for the the Colts had no way in the world they were going to be able to come up with that compensation. You can't justify that compensation at all here. If Sean Payton gets Denver back on track, we'll see what D'Amico Ryans does down in Houston. I'm assuming that they're going to have a newly drafted quarterback, right? Who might that be? Might it be somebody that the the Colts ultimately like? Here's something that occurred to me as well. And I'm curious. I just saw bits and pieces of this online. So our friend, if you remember, Joey Molinaro used to work here. I think he spent time at Barstool. I think he does stuff on his own now. Uh, He is a comedian slash impressionist. And one of his recent offerings was an impression that he's done before of Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay meeting and talking over the coaching situation. And and clearly, you know, in being a comedian for the comedic form, he was poking a great deal of fun at Jim Irsay for wanting Jeff Saturday as much as Jim Irsay has been reported and people believe wants Jeff Saturday. And it was a good bit. Don't get me wrong. It was a good bit. But the most interesting aspect of it wasn't so much what Joey put together in the video. It was Jim Irsay actually retweeting it with, I think, it. what is it, the laughing, laughing and crying emoji? So that has led most people to believe that because he retweeted that in the fashion of the emoji in which he did, that... People are believing Colts fans that he understands he is smitten with Jeff Saturday. I just thought maybe he thought it was funny. But a lot of people are suggesting, hey, because he again retweeted it with that emoji, that much like the people, much like the people that have been tweeting at him, the people that have been signing a petition hoping not to have Jeff Saturday as the future head coach. It's like that he knows who he is in this case right here. And that's what the Colts fans, a majority of them are believing right now. And also believe the reason why you've had so many interviews and now you're going to have so many second round interviews and the process is taking so long is that Chris Ballard is going to say, here here are all the candidates here. This is what I have trying to make sure that Jim Irsay does not still end up overwhelming the decision at the end and going with somebody that people believe clearly he likes much more than anybody else and something that he wants to work. Something in Jeff Saturday that he wants to work. Now, again, there is a lot of interpretation coming off a laughing emoji retweet. It's kind of a combination right there. It's a combination of maybe being some truth to it, looking for any information as far as the Colts are concerned in a coaching search, a lengthy one at that. And also, I think we're all just kind of crazy in terms of social media. We can all fall victim to that. I don't know if there's any inner meeting other than he thought it was funny. And I'm assuming if he thinks he's funny, that he understands that there's probably some truth to that. 
that depiction of he and Ballard in their conversation, how much he wants Jeff Saturday compared to how much Chris Ballard and how much a lot of the fans around here seemingly don't want Jeff. I mean, to the point where you sign a petition again, come on. I just can't sit here. I told you this yesterday. I can't sit here. Or I couldn't sit here and sign a petition regarding Jeff Saturday. And I know it's the now and it's not back during that golden era, but that's still meaningful to me. There are different ways to handle it. Listen, I didn't expect him. And I did not choose him to be the next head coach, but I sure as hell wouldn't be signing a petition saying, hey, there's no way in the world this guy should be there. I mean, just being a horse's ass about it is not what I would be about here. Because Jeff has meant a great deal to this organization as a player in the past, and again, has brought too much, in my estimation, to go out like that. And I've also told you this, in terms of what he sees via social media, it is clear, as we've known in the past, that he sees this. But I mentioned this to Stephen Holder yesterday. That may fortify his thought. Oh, so all you guys, we got a petition going here, do we? Yeah, that's pretty funny. I'm going to laugh about this. I'm going to retweet this. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to fortify my opinion that I am right about this. That Jeff Saturday should continue moving forward. Now, somebody had told me yesterday that that wasn't going to happen, but you don't know what the response you're going to get from Jim Irsay might be. But it's funny. Anything that hits social media, anything that hits Twitter, automatically you start judging about what does that mean in terms of what the owner is thinking about this coaching hire. And it also does show value in the fact that he sees a lot. He sees a lot, and he does not want to be vilified in this. Officer Craig says, would you sign a petition for Ballard? I wouldn't sign a petition for anything. I would just let my opinion, like I'm firm in what style of coach that I have wanted. Now, right now, Right now, it's tough for me, the Colts, because I I have not been a believer in the first-time head coach, but I'm assuming that's exactly what you're going to get. So as I look at the next head coach, all right, what am I looking for here? I'm looking for some solid recommendations. And to me, the most solid recommendation that anybody could get, certainly in this market as the next head coach, is a recommendation from Peyton Manning. Oh, you love Peyton Manning too much. No, I respect Peyton Manning a great deal for what he brought here. And again, those that are too young to understand it, I'm not going to backpedal and tell you all about it and define it again. It's just probably something you'll never understand because you're just not old enough. But those that are my age completely understand why you would embrace a recommendation from Manning in this case. So Brian Callahan... The son of a former NFL coach, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. If you were going to go for a first-timer, you know, that young first-time head coach over anybody else, that's probably sitting here right now where I would go. And as you guys have seen, right, the ones that I wanted them to legitimately be in on, they have not even been closely in on. 
whether that was Harbaugh with zero interest or Dan Quinn allegedly, apparently with zero interest, not even close on it. So in this case, I'd probably going with the uh, the Manning endorsement of the next head coach. Hey, JMV, I think Manning endorsed Ryan. I don't know if Manning endorsed Ryan more than he just kind of told people around here what they wanted to hear. I don't know if he expected him to be that bad. And I've also brought this up. Manning was a part of those that brought in Frank Reich. So you could look at that as a negative. But I just kind of tend to go with that. That's that's where I would go. And then when you get the endorsement of, of Callahan about what he believes he is going to be as a coach, I do believe that. I buy that. Hey, by the way, Matt Ryan got endorsements from everybody. Matt Ryan was on this show and said on this show, if you remember, after he became a member, the future quarterback of the Colts, that he felt he had four more years remaining. You watched him this season. It didn't look like he had four more minutes remaining. So the the tape that Ballard and Reich watched, what Ryan thought he was going to be, what everybody thought he was going to be, was nowhere near what and how he turned out. I would still take a Manning endorsement every time. Hey, JMV, great show. I think Ursay genuinely got a kick out of Joey's bit on Twitter and didn't intend that to be some sort of message here. I think it does show humility with him on his decision-making, and it was nice to see. Like I told you, I don't think it's meaningful, John, at all. I just think he thought it was funny. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, JV, why would Callahan leave the weapons he has for Indy? Manning endorsed Adam Gaze. Why would Callahan, because there's a head coaching position? Maybe. Not why? Because it's a head coaching position over an OC? I guess that's the reason why. I still take the Manning endorsement. Did Manning endorse Adam Gaze? I think Manning's probably endorsed most anybody he's ever been around and coached and believed in him, whether or not it held true. And again, you go back to Frank Reich. You know, once Chris Ballard messed up that thing with Josh McDaniels, that was the owner, that was Bill Polian, that was Tony Dungy, and that was Peyton Manning with a helper right there. And look how that turned out. And certainly look how that turned out after the quarterback decided to step away forever. I don't know what, Adam Gaze in New York? Matt Ryan here? Uh, You guys tell me then. You guys tell me who's left on this list right now. Who you like? Masachi is probably the one I should like because he looks like the oldest and the crustiest of the group. I'm just saying in terms of future head coach, if you're talking about one of these young guys, and it's probably because I'd know more about him by watching a lot of the Bengals games would be Callahan. I'll tell you one thing, though. If if there was ever any interest, Harbaugh-wise, 
And the reason why Harbaugh wouldn't move on it is because of the current setup. I would take significant issue with that. That's the perfect thing, and that's the thing that's not going to happen. But I'm just talking in terms of young, first-time head coaches. Hey, Jamvi, Ursay Ballard and Saturday, that's all that you hear. Jamvi, I can't hear the last name of Callahan and not think he drives around Wisconsin selling brake pads with David Spade. That would be Big Tom Callahan and Tommy Callahan from Tommy Boy. Excellent reference. <laughs> Excellent reference. Hey, JMV, Callahan and Steichen are all the only options I think that they have. Masachi is a far third placer. See, Fitch, I think there is something to that right there. Those, those to me probably will be the check marks. And it probably end up will being a first-time head coach. Hey, quick break. Let me take this. I'll come back. I'll see you guys on hold. I'll get back to that coming up on the other side. Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Jason Belmonte in the U.S. Open and certainly the favorite up at what is going to be a fantastic Royal Pin Woodland Bowl now through the weekend. Bobby Marks at the 5 o'clock hour as well. Plenty of time for your conversation next. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Ride with JMV. Get him a body bag! Yeah! <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. I mentioned Miles Turner yesterday on the show. That podcast is up to Trace Jackson Davis Thursday. He and his Hoosier teammates in Maryland tonight. That tip is at 9 o'clock. 8 o'clock is the pregame show coverage downstairs on 93 WIBC. By the way, some of you have asked to the Tavern Tour stops. They are up for grabs. If you have a place that you would recommend for us, myself and betting analyst Brent Halverson of Heaven Hill Distillery to bring this show to, let me know. And not necessarily in Marion County. I mean, it can donut county-wise even further out. So let me know. Jim McCann writes this. Can you arrange for Jim Ursay to call in a request to this Saturday night's JMV takeover? I'm pretty sure we would get important insight into who will be the Colts' next head coach based on the song selection. Now, hold on one second, Jim. He has two out of the last three New Year's Eves called in to make a request. And they've been, listen, it, and it's been like seven minutes of it, which is cool with me. But his last request, and this was not this past New Year's Eve, it was the New Year's Eve prior. It was REM's It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, which is really foreshadowing to the season that was upcoming. Pretty interesting. Actually, I take that back. 
If memory serves, he came on and dropped that request prior to the end of the season Jacksonville debacle and then leading in to the 2022 season. Incredible foreshadowing with that request. (laughs) That's true. Hey, JMV, in all seriousness, why would Jeff Saturday get even a second interview for any other franchise in the NFL? Well, he he wouldn't because this franchise's owner really, really wanted to see him work, wanted to see him move forward as the coach. No other organization, no other owner wanted that, but Jim Mercer did, and all it takes is one. I would say this, that wherever Jim Irsay is right now, he would really, and I mean really, want to see him work. Some people tell me it's a foregone conclusion that it won't, that it's not going to happen, but believe me, I don't think the owner will ever truly move off the mark where he wants that to work and wants to force that to work. Seriously, all that takes is one. Hey, JMV, did not expect to hear Jason Belmonte on with you on my drive home, but as a proud bowler, I'll allow it. Well done. C. Fitz says, would you come to Kokomo? I think so. I don't know why not, because Steve is saying, what about the Snitzelbank and Jasper? And I've actually offered that up. And I'd like that. That would be a summertime one for me right there. With uh, the Snitzelbank and Allen down in Jasper, that would definitely be a summertimer. Thank you, Steve, for that. Nick is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Nick. Hey, John. How you doing? Great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, regarding the coaches, have you looked at the Vegas odds that are predicting who the Colts' next head coach is going to be? Uh, the last time I checked it out, last time I checked it out, was it was Jeff Saturday at the top of the list. That's right. And that was about eight days ago that I saw these. There. But let me, let me ask you this. I know yeah. there's a like conspiracy theory out there about – they're just they're just going to this exhaustive coaching surge as a means of optics to make it look like they've exhausted every avenue. And now as these dominoes are falling from Frank Reich to D'Amico Ryan, Sean Payton, et cetera, you do you you think that that can't happen? That Ursay won't force the hand of our GM and have him being bring no, it no, 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 no. I'm not naive enough to, to think that that can't happen. I will tell you this: at the end of the show, I some info that came in that was regarding Saturday, suggesting that that he knows that he's not going to be the the head coach, and part of that dynamic is that of Chris Ballard being here, and that both he and Jim know that moving forward. I don't know how true that might be. But that's that's what came in yesterday. And I think it would, if, if we're just kind of guessing here, Nick, a little bit, it would stand to reason the longer that this goes, I don't think it's so much, you know, a, a charade that they're putting on here of, of trotting these guys in. It kind of sounds like that maybe it's not going to be Saturday. But no, I wouldn't be naive enough to ever suggest that because, again, Knowing how much the owner trusts and likes Jeff Saturday and he's going to have the ultimate vote here, now you can never dismiss that, I don't think, even with that info that I got yesterday. And last question, if he does pull a, uh, a hostile takeover and he pulls that slight, I mean, if he does force it, what are the odds you think Chris Ballard stays? I think they're pretty good. I'd have a hard time believing that he would step away from it. Don't you? All right. Well, 
well, you know what? I'm conflicted because as a man of principle, he would stay. As a man of uh, as a man of pride, family man, no, no doubt, settled as he is up in Westfield. Um, you know what? Hey, if I was in this position, I take the paycheck. Yeah, but at the same time, when you feel completely emasculated and completely dejected, where all your authority's been taken away, and you got to come home and face your family every day. I mean, he's a man of principle. But at the same time, he has a family. So, as a blue collar guy like me, I I don't know. I, well, yeah, I mean, I would I would tell you that's happened already once, right? And he's continuing moving forward, even with a vote of confidence for the owner. So that that situation's happened once. So I, I I would imagine that he would continue moving forward. I, I think we all also tend to forget how much work he has to do, even past. We're all taking in consideration, Nick, right now how important this coaching situation is and this hire, and there's no doubt that it is. But, man, what they do at quarterback long-term, what they do with that fourth pick is so much more influential to what this team is going to be and to get winning back here at some point than this head coach. I'm sorry. It is so much more about the players and especially at that quarterback position than it is about who they end up sliding in here as head coach, at least to me. Right, right. And last question, let's yeah. go, my man. Since we're talking the odds game, do you want to put a bottle of larceny on any? As far as the head, next head coach? Oh, yeah. Um. I, I think, to me, if it's going to be one of these young dudes, I think the Brian Callahan of the Bengals has as good a chance as anybody. And it sounds to me like with, you know, for example, the intel coming in from yesterday that it's going to end up being one of these guys. So, if, And again, now I put my, my money on Harbaugh and Quinn so far, and we saw what happened there. It seems like anybody that I say is going to be the next head coach ends up the next day taking themselves out of consideration. So factor that in. But if it's one of the young guys that's never done it before, I would start right there. Yep. Puts it on my stomach, but I'll take Saturday. <laughs> I think. So. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Never take it out of the running because the owner is always going to have the final call, and we absolutely know how he feels. Bobby Marks, bottom of the hour. Dell's going to leave coming up on the other side, too. We'll get to the his call and yours at 239-1070. Hour three of this show, straight at you next. The ride. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With JMV. Sportos, motor hits, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte. Jason Belmonte is what has been described to me as the Tiger Woods of bowling. U.S. Open going on right now. Tickets available. TV shows, I believe, on Fox coming up this weekend, too. But now, Jason Jason is Australian. And, of course, I come on with an Australian band reentry, The Church and Under the Milky Way. He'd heard of The Church, but he's 39 years of age. It would have been better off had I gone with Tomorrow from Silverchair. So, operator error right there. My bad. 
but he was really good. And my advice to you, because again, you might see Mookie Betts, Dodgers outfielder, who's also a part of this bowling U.S. Open, Royal Penn Woodland, and country music artist on a scale of one to ten. All of you country music fans, where is Jimmy Allen these days? Jimmy Allen, you country music guy, Josh? Not a special. I wouldn't. I don't know who Jimmy Allen is. I know Clayton Anderson and Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson <laughs> and Freddie Fender and Farron Young and Merle Haggard. I don't know too much about Jimmy. One scale of one to ten country music fans here on my Twitter account. Jimmy Allen. I'm assuming a much better country music artist because I believe he is going to be a part of the upcoming Grammys presentation as a performer. Jimmy Allen is his name. All right. Here's what I don't need in the five o'clock hour BT do. I don't need a faux sports arousal here. Okay, don't do it. So Michigan announced Harbaugh was returning, but he kept talking to Denver. So why not talk to the Colts, or is that out the window? First of all, I can't take this fake out sports arousal here, BT. The other thing is, I had heard that there was zero interest on his side here. And the zero interest kind of started with the general manager that's here right now. But it would stand to reason that he would be the very first person that if you had like any football mind whatsoever that you would think about in this case. This is like a rescue 911 situation right here. You come in and save it from all angles. And no matter how lightweight your shelf life might be, and we understand that, you need somebody that's a little wacko there. But nah, I can't buy it, can't believe it, BT. Jason Ellis says that Jimmy Allen is ranked as a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Who's that? Dan- What's his name? Is it Chris Jansen that I play all the time, buy me a boat? I'm going to buy me a boat. I'm going to buy me a truck to pull it. I'm going to buy me a Yeti 110 with something with a silver bullet. I'm assuming he's got Coors Light in his Yeti, right? That's what that means. Yeah, I'm not much up on that. Hey, by the way, Ron says this, the legendary Frenchies in Morgantown, I am always Ron up to go into Morgantown because somebody also in Trafalgar mentioned the crowbar. The crowbar in Trafalgar has been recommended, and now Frenchies in Morgantown has been recommended for a Tavern Tour Stop 2023. Daryl's at 239-1070. Hello. Hey, brother. How you doing today? That was a fantastic request. By the way, Greg Rakestraw brought you up today. He said yeah, right yeah, after. I heard that. Did you hear, I heard that? that? Yeah. yeah I heard that. And I, I didn't get a chance to tell him that that's always your go-to, man. And I appreciate it. That's all good because yeah. it gives me the opportunity to go Larceny Bourbon Double Shot Power with ACDC so I can dig out something else in the catalog, too. It's money. Well, it was my first call in the New Year, so I had <laughs> What do you got, buddy? Hey, question. Do you think the Colts would be better off, you know, maybe bringing in Derek Carr or somebody else and not drafting a quarterback 
and get some other pieces that they really do need before they bring in a young quarterback that doesn't have a left tackle that can block for him or number one wide receiver he can throw to. While you make sense here, to me, and maybe you make more sense than me, to me, I want them to target who they like the most in this draft at quarterback and go out and get it. Do you think the quarterbacks that are in this draft are going to be long-term and be able to compete in the NFL? I, to me, to me, both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud will be able to long-term. Now, you know, you may have – it may be a bit of a battle, a job, to get yourself in position to get one of them. And, and I've also been against, Daryl, I've been against kind of setting it for and letting one of these other quarterbacks fall to you. I kind of view that as settling. I don't want them to settle. I want them to hard target somebody and go out and get them and then build that somebody into the future. You know, and, and you know, build that with hopefully they've got with Ryman, who knows at left tackle, but it looked like that maybe he was having good games down the stretch, that that's going to be your future left tackle. And then have this group, you know, re-motivate itself on the offensive line and also start, again, building those weapons. Play off of an Alec Pierce for the future. Play off of a Jelani Woods for the future. But I just think, to me, yes, you're at the fourth pick. You may have to get up higher. I would hard target what I like in this draft, whether it's Young or it's Stroud. Maybe maybe it's Levis, and he falls right to you. I'm not sure. But draft somebody that you like for the future. That's me. I just, I just think they're going to have a better draft cap draft class next year with quarterbacks than they do this year and I think they can go out and get a lot of other pieces that they really do need and then just get a new quarterback next year or maybe you know bring in Carr bring in Jimmy G bring in somebody else you know this is not going to be a quick turnaround for this team this is going to be no 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 I, I get that that's why it's perfect to identify this quarterback and move forward don't you think I, you know, I just, I just think they can get a lot of other pieces with this fourth round pick. Instead, you know, I, I think the kid maybe from Kentucky, if they can get him as a quarterback, I think he's going to have a, uh, he's got the body for it, and I think they can build him and put a good team around him. Daryl, am I going to hear from you Saturday night? You will. I'll be, be out driving Uber. So, oh, it's always good. Stuff. Always good stuff, my friend. I appreciate you, Daryl, right there. Hey, by the way, too, for the JMV takeover, this is weird because this is what B, B105.7 is doing on the weekend, and I love it. It's called the Whatever Weekend. And they're doing whatever. Now, doing whatever is kind of what we do every Saturday night, which I love. I love the fact that they're playing off of that with me. Hey, JMV, why trade assets for another veteran quarterback? How are you supposed to get pieces with no capital. Yeah, I just I want them at four. If they identify what they like the best and that is possible, that's doable at four, then so be it. But if you have to try to put something together, maybe to move up because there's absolutely something that you love and you truly believe in, I also would like to not see them settle. Big news of the day, Sean Payton, as it looks like Denver is putting together a package which New Orleans likes, 
So it uh, seems, according to Adam Schefter, that Sean Payton is going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. And if you missed this last hour, D'Amico Ryans, fresh off a loss as the defensive coordinator in that NFC title game in Philadelphia, the D.C. of the San Francisco 49ers, and by the way, former linebacker of the Houston Texans, gets a six-year deal to become the next head coach of the Texans, which would surprise nobody. So who is still out there right now? The Colts? The Cardinals? Who's still out there with no coaches? I believe that's it. That's it, isn't it? I think that's it. Colts and the Cardinals. But D'Amico Ryans, D'Amico Ryans, his name had been mentioned here, but I don't think there was anything more than that. And then Sean Payton. It's kind of interesting, the Sean Payton thing in Denver, because last week you had you had heard it be reported that Denver and their ownership was talking to Jim Harbaugh about that possibility. Right? And then they make that major move, obviously, with, with Sean Payton. So the Denver situation was interesting. So here, here's how it went. According to Ian Rappaport, they zeroed in on D'Amico Ryans, secretly tried to lure Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, negotiated a Peyton deal, tried to hire Ryans again, and then finalized the hire of Peyton as their new head coach. So according to Ian Rappaport, the Broncos spent today, mind you, Spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again before he recommitted to the Texans. That, again, according to Ian Rappaport. Now, when he agreed to terms with the Texans, it was at that time the Broncos pivoted and finalized that deal reported with Sean Payton. So... D'Amico Ryans secretly tried to lure Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. It's a lot of stuff right there. I'm telling you, you're right, Skivvies. That's that's a hell of a timeline. So JMV, the Broncos traded the farm for Russell Wilson and the vacation home of Sean Payton. Something better work out. There is no doubt. All they've given up. In the past two years? See, Zach says they Colts dodged two bullets on the same day. I don't think there was any chance that either one of these guys, certainly not Peyton, and evidently not D'Amico Ryans, there was zero chance that either one of those guys would end up here, however. Hey, JMV, personally, I'd rather someone with no head coaching experience than someone who was fired as a head coach. If the Colts are starting fresh, then start really fresh. I think part of the problem is, though, Alex, that you still have a lot of pieces on this team that have reportedly, conversationally grown soft with the right situation. Again, Jeff Saturday was brought in to be the coach, but he was also brought in to identify issues in that locker room. And many will tell you that those issues from Reich resonated in that locker room when Jeff Saturday got there. 
So that's always been my opinion to have somebody that's a little bit more harder core that gets your attention. Because maybe, maybe unbeknownst to a lot of us, they needed that in that locker room. Uh, JMV, so did Harbaugh have zero interest in working with Ballard? Uh, it would seem like that reportedly that could be a part of the equation. It may be a Miriam. He may not have wanted it even beyond that. Hey, JMV, which situation would you rather be in, the Colts or the Broncos? And I'm not saying it just because I live here. I would much rather be here right now. I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy to figure out, and it's going to it's going to be some time, I would think, before this team is any good. It just it, it seems like that Denver could be now with their quarterback situation in a situation in which the Colts have been in in flux at that position moving forward, and you have sunk so much in to now the head coach and Sean Payton and to Russell Wilson. It seems like if you're basically starting from scratch here. I think that that would be certainly more refreshing than going through what they're about to go through in Denver. Now, if they end up winning, if Sean Payton is that magic elixir, revitalizes Russell Wilson, then so be it. But that is not something that, given what they they gave up for Russell Wilson and what they're also going to give up from Sean Payton, I'm sure they're excited in Denver because it seems like you're going all out. You're going all out on this right now. I don't know how that's going to work out. Bobby Marks, by the way, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, their NBA exec, bottom of the hour. Is this Reginald right here at 239-1070? Reginald, is this you? No, this is Brad. This is Brad. Sorry about that. Uh, no, absolutely. No, original Brad. Uh, you know. Oh, you, I'm you, sorry. You, it said, you, no, 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 no. It, it said Reginald Brad. I think I think Josh misunderstood you. Original uh, Brad is you. Yeah. Brad, you go thought, ahead. You, you thought it was Larry Clisby one time, and I got a kick out of that. <laughs> I got you, Brad. Go and, ahead. Uh, at any rate, no, I, I wanted to just, I don't call in anymore to anybody. So you're hitting it out of the park on this, and I'm glad. There's somebody with the intelligence and the guts to talk about the situation. Uh, you know, the, here's, here's how I see it, just pretty much like you do. Uh, it's like any other business. If you're sliding backwards for six years in a row, you need to be let go. You need to be replaced, okay? I, I, I think Ballard's a nice guy. I think he tries. But the problem is he was in Kansas City for one year, and as I understand it, Andy Reid told management, put this guy in the front office. I don't want him touching personnel. Okay, that that ought to be a hint right there. But uh, for six years, they've gone backwards. I think we're all aware of the whiffs and the non-replacements and the people that have left that are important. And to me, much like what you are talking about, the general manager is the top deal. Okay, this guy, uh, Mr. Ursay, should have been finding a general manager and letting this guy hire the football coach. Then we wouldn't have the Jim Harbaugh problem and other problems that may arise from guys who may not want to come here because of aforementioned general managership. Okay, so to me, it all starts from the top and you go down that way. As it is now, to me, it's like some kind of a patchwork deal. Do you feel that way that? Everything is being evolved and run around the problem that may occur in the general manager's office. Do you feel like that is? I think that's where they are, Brad. I think that's where they are. And thank you for the call, too, by the way. That's where they are right now because of that. But that's also why I feel that what they do in this draft 
and the target they have for the longer-term future quarterback is much more important than this decision as head coach right now. Now, uh, I, listen, I have been incredibly critical of Chris Ballard, and there's no axe to grind, and there's certainly no agenda, but just critical involving his results. But when he was in Kansas City, I mean, he was chief in vetting at the time, if you remember Marcus Peters, so he played a significant role. They just had a lot of guys with name recognition, certainly name recognition, you know, right now around the NFL, that also had a similar role or were colleagues of his. There were a lot under Andy Reid and have been a lot over this time frame. So I want to take away anything that that he's accomplished in the past. I'm just talking about things that he has not accomplished here. And all those things in which he alluded to, you know, going back nearly a month now in that postseason press conference. There's no doubt original Brad has a radio voice right there. See, Josh, we can't bring on people that call in the show that have a better voice than me, okay? They understand that for the future. Uh, I'll write that you down. You bring on original yeah. Brad and you go, wait a minute. I can't tell which one's the host and which one's the caller well, here. Well, I was I was trying to set you up by giving you the you wrong were. name, right? I bet you were. <laughs> original Brad sounded good. He's got that old school radio voice right there. He would have been old school WIBC, Radio Indiana. That's pretty impressive. But... My theory on this is that you find yourself a quarterback in this draft that you like, that you trust, and you believe in. And if that is what you get it for, then so be it. Congratulations. You're not going to have to give up anything. But if that means you're going to have to motivate to get what you want and not settle, I just I don't want to have to hear, and you likely are never going to hear that, I don't want to have to hear them settling. Because you know I'm already a bit bent out of shape because the whole, and, and again, this is probably just one man's decision in Jim Harbaugh, but he is or would have been perfect here. You can't deny that. Oh, he doesn't have much of a shelf life. He won't be here too long. Who cares? He'd be here long enough to turn this thing around. I don't think you can honestly say that. I think the reason why anybody thought that he would be a fit just beyond a lot of what he already brings to the table is the fact that he has yet to win a Super Bowl. He's been there, tasted that, and at some point, everybody believes he's going to be back in the NFL. I just always thought for this team, he was perfect. This team is evidently not at all perfect for him. Understand it. John Buzzard says original Brad is going to be voicing the naturally nude pajamas for Valentine's Day. See, Josh, you cannot put callers with better voices than me on the air. (laughs) That's awesome, though. I want to double back to what Nate Thomas asked regarding the situation in Denver or here. It's not because I am here. I'm saying that it is here. It's just given their circumstances on where they had to go to get where they are, to a degree, with the the lack of longer-term vision or re- really present-time vision at quarterback with what they have right now, what they've given up, 
You know, how they've mortgaged the future on two fronts there. And there's nothing close to can't miss about it. So, you hard target what you like here at quarterback and you move forward. And if, you know, their belief is that it's going to be a first-time head coach that's best beneficial, uh, then so be it. But I also want to see a, a change in philosophy, too. And that's something we had talked about regarding Chris Ballard and what hasn't worked so far. And we're all certainly privy to what has not worked so far. Sean Payton to Denver. Significant compensation going back to New Orleans. That was the breaking news today. And D'Amico Ryans, the next head coach, the six-year deal he gets for his old team, the Houston Texans. Amy's at 239-1070. Hello, Amy. How are you? Great, Amy. Go ahead. So, what do you think um, now that we're not on the hook for break right uh, salary? Maybe letting go of Ballard will come into play. You know, with a you know, maybe they disagree about who the next coach is. And yeah, and I don't know how to think about that because it seems like, and I'll give you a great example here, Amy. If if Ballard. They're not going to let him go. He would have to, I think, just go ahead and bail because he doesn't like the situation, which would probably mean that Jeff Saturday's the next head coach. And that's – while I think that that should have been done, I don't know if that is the best means to move forward here um, if, if you have – that obvious rub, that problem uh, between the general manager and the owner and the head coach. And really, when you think about it, if that's what it were to come down to, something would have to give there. Because it seems like that that is a dynamic. If Jim Irsay really wants Jeff, Jeff Saturday to be the coach and Chris Ballard, as we maintain, doesn't, that seems like a dynamic that couldn't work. But I just can't see him stepping away on his own. Well, I, my, my train of thought was fire Ballard Saturday in the GM position and then you hire a head coach out of the people you've been interviewing. Yeah. I I tell you, moving a different direction at GM has always been enticing to me. I just um I just don't think that portion of it is is going to happen. Are are you on board or would you be on board with Saturday being the next head coach full time? one of those people that would say I would give him a shot like sometimes I wonder if it were Peyton Manning that were being our coach who also has absolutely no coaching experience would we be as much in arms about it I just think you've got to give him a you know a shot and I don't think last season he had the um, players and the assistant coaches to make him successful. I feel like give him that shot. Hey, Amy, thank you for the call. We talked about this all along, that it's where Jim Mercer erred significantly in judgment because it would be a much easier sell right now. We'd be debating it and be wondering what the hell's going on, but a much easier sell for the general public that are Colts fans on Jeff's behalf right now than going through the one-win basically the rest of it being a disaster portion of the schedule in which he was the interim head coach. Now I get where Amy's coming from and this is what this is what I would not think would happen. Now she had mentioned, you know, Jeff Saturday taking over an organizational position and and she mentioned general manager. 
I don't know if you're looking for a spot to give him just because you like him and give him that spot. I mean, I will say this about Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay believes in him and believes in him as head coach. That's why he hired him from ESPN on an interim basis. I don't know if Jim Mersey would be down with, okay, well, clearly he's not going to be there, but we'll find a spot somewhere else for him. I think initially we all felt maybe that would be the case, but the more and more of this went on, the more and more that probably wouldn't work out very well either. Seems like that Jim believes in him, or at least has believed in him regarding being the head coach, but just, well, because he's he's Jeff and we got to find a spot for him, that probably wouldn't be the case. As much as maybe we had talked about that possibility going back a couple, three months. Quick break, we'll come back. Jay, if you're on hold, we'll get to you. Again, Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte, the Tiger Woods of bowling. A little bit early on the podcast, 107.5thefan.com. A little bit more regarding Miles Turner and his contract. The two-year extension, the the flexibility it gives the Pacers moving forward, and the trade deadline. Some of those names and more. Bobby Marks of ESPN is with us next. The Ride with Jay. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. AMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, the Rising Stars game will have a couple of first-timers, first-year players from the Pacers. Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard will be a part of that All-Star Weekend extravaganza right there, which is really cool. Now, a couple of days ago, actually over the weekend, it was reported that Miles Turner gets a two-year extension. We talked to Miles yesterday on the show. That podcast, by the way, is 107.5thefan.com. And on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is the NBA executive insider for ESPN. The former NBA exec, our friend Bobby Marks is with us right now. Hello, Bobby. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, You've sized up that Miles Turner two-year extension. What does it mean from both the Pacers and the Miles standpoint to you? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of a win-win. I mean, he gets a a nice you know, $17 million, basically, in a uh, you know, big chunk of uh, kind of a, you know, it's a renegotiation against their cap space, and he gets that this year on top of his, you know, already $18 million uh, contract. He's paid comparable to a max uh, player. And then you get a nice big drop from uh, Indiana's perspective. That's kind of the trade-off is that it, you know, it decreases 40%, and now you have a, a, a contract, you know, at 21 and 20 for the next uh, next two years, which is kind of the, the going rate for, you know, if you're not Jokic or Embiid or some of these top centers out there, that's kind of similar to kind of where Clint Capella came in here, and I, I think it's I think it's a fair deal. I really do. I mean, I've I've talked about it that you know because the um, you know it didn't violate the extension restrictions. Um, you know, there is no six month restriction from a trade standpoint. I would say there is probably a 
99.9% chance that he is not going to be going to be moved by uh, by February 9th. I know that that Coach Carlisle and, and Kevin Pritchard have you know gone on the record there, and I just think even if something did come about like you know a wow type deal, I just think the league would probably you know put a kibosh to it because you know how do you how do you renegotiate a player and extend them and then move him ten days later? I, I think where where it could come into play is that. You know, if there's something happens at the trade deadline, I mean, at the uh, at the draft in June or early in free agency, instead of waiting until August um, to you know with that restriction lifted here. So I, I just I, you know the scope of it, I think it's a kind of a win win. And you know, I think you could have said, hey, why don't you wait until after the um, trade deadline and maybe you're able to use um, cap space. I just think if there was a deal out there to be made for a 25, 26 million dollar player, that it was going to happen already. So um, I like it for, from for both ends. So Bobby Marks of ESPN with us. Is there a precedent with what you just described, a renegotiation and then 10 days later a trade? Never. Never happened. <laughs> Never <laughs> happened. And there, you know, I mean, I think it's, they're really rare. I mean, I think there's only, there's only been nine renegotiations um, that I know of. The last one was Robert Covington in 2017, uh, Galinari and, and Wilson Chandler back in uh, when they were in Denver here. It's just, it's a, it's a unique situation. It's kind of like an NFL type contract where, you know, rarely with cap space this late in the game, um, you know, and, you know, he basically met the criteria as far as being on that roster or, on, you know, the contract more than three years here. So, no, I, I, it's, I've i never seen it happen as far as a, a player uh, renegotiated that is automatically uh, moved. I mean, I think that's where you'd have the league come in and say, wait a minute, it's, it's cap circumvention. You basically boot, bumped him from 18 to 35, and now you can go out and get a player that's making 30 where you couldn't do that before. So, um it is. Uh, I don't. I, as I said, I don't. I don't see that happening here. But it is one of these unique, uh, unique situations. For what we know right now, and again, this is just personal opinion here from you. Do you, do you think that this is working out much better and positioning the Pacers much better than had the Suns decided not to counter and match that qualifying offer going all the way back to the summertime as DeAndre Ayton at the time was a restricted free agent. Do you think this works out better for the Pacers now as we sit here? I do. I mean, I, I like, you know, Turner at, at two years, you know, $41 million compared to eight and at three years, 100 I guess, right? That was kind of would have been for, right. next, for right. the next three years here. And it just gives you a lot. It's a good number. I mean, it's a good number in, in it's it preserves, you know, you still have about thirty million next year to kind of still build with. Um, I just, it's hard, it's hard for me, as I said, unless it's you know Embiid or Jokic, one of these top centers, to commit you know thirty four, thirty five million dollars to a to a center here. So I think it's worked out um, well for Indiana. It's it's, it's funny the. You know, I, I just look back at, you know, in Brooklyn, you know, not when I was there, but they had two situations where they put offer sheets out for Otto Porter, Tyler Johnson, and Alan Crabb, right? And right. all three were matched, and they were fortunate all three were matched, right? So I think you do have to be – and I, I understand where Indiana was coming from this, this offseason, but the, the best thing sometimes is when that – that other team comes in there and then matches that, and then it gives you you know, the, you know more options to kind of continue to build your roster. He is Bobby Marks of ESPN, the NBA front office executive on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. You know, it, sometimes, too, it, it takes recognition with both. And I talked to Miles yesterday, and, and this was my point that I don't know right now if there is a better fit considering the combination and that synergy he has shown with Tyrese Halliburton, if there's a better fit in the NBA for Miles Turner 
than right here. Oh, I completely agree. I think it's. I think you kind of get into a little bit of a danger zone when you start to look outside of what you already have, and you know if there wasn't a re, if there wasn't a contract with this renegotiation, he certainly would have been a free agent here. And I think the options out there probably would not have been more appealing than what he already has in Indiana. And I think. You know, it's a shame that, you know, Halbert and his hurt, um, you know, this team has, you know, certainly taken a little bit of a slide here. But, no, you have two – you certainly have two building blocks, uh, you know, a, a big and a guard. Um, and then you kind of fill in the P. You know, Matherin is a, is a keeper. I mean, he's a he's a special player here. And um, you have more options with those three guys than probably some of these other teams out here. And, um, you know, it's it's it, it worked out for Miles. Um, you know, he'll be able to go out in free agency, I think, when he's 29 again in 2025. So there's probably another bite of the apple if he can continue to stay healthy. What's his market value right now in your estimation across the NBA? Just for example, I know he's evidently not going to go anywhere since there's no precedent, but what's his market value, you think, across the NBA landscape? Well, I mean, you see what's going on, right? And I think he would get more. I mean, you know, Boyan Bogdanovic is, and it's a different position. Um, you know, Boyan was on an expiring signs, signs a, um, you know, that ex- two-year extension with uh, with Detroit. And now, I mean, like, we're, we're he's the hot name, right? I mean, he's the hot name during the trade deadline because he's he, he's got more value uh, with length on the contract than on an expiring here. And I think. You know, you know, you know, Bolion's asking value is a is an unprotected one here. So, in, in a player, so I think if you go into the market in June and you know, and you've got you know, um, you know, two, you know, you, a team out there's got and he stays healthy and you know you can get you have him for two more years. I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're you know, you, you're, it's not a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert type package if you ever wanted to do that, but you can get you'll get tremendous value out of that. So Bobby Marks of ESPN, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And you mentioned he's he's been injured, but it appears that uh, maybe this weekend, Thursday and Friday, is the back-to-back. And uh, Daniel Tice, for the first time, we may see here, he may ultimately be somebody that they part with at the trade deadline. I don't know. But uh, before we get into some of those trade deadline opportunities, some of those storylines going into next Thursday, what, what do you think the value of Tyrese Halliburton is going to be once they feel it's time for them to pay him again. Yeah, I mean, if he's he's likely probably going to see his name called on Thursday, I, I would hope so as a reserve. Um, you know, uh, for, for the All Star game here. I mean, he's. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're talking. Are we talking close to max money? Probably close. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get more. You know, Jalen Brunson got what twenty four, twenty five. Um, so you're looking, you're going to be looking at north, uh, north of that. Are I mean, yeah, I, you know, I talked to a team about this, and they they made a really good point. We we're talking about contracts, and he said these rookie extensions are the best ones, right? Like because you've had, you know, this kid, right? You know him, you've had him for four years. It's an upside contract here. When you get to those second and third ones, and you've seen those, you're like, ooh man, and, you know, similar to kind of what you know with Victor and Paul and guys who there, and you're like, well, is it? Are we still getting good value here? And even if you did decide to pay him max type money, you know that the production is going to be there. So he's extension eligible this this uh, this off season here, and I w- it wouldn't stun me if you know if you if you come out of the gates and you know you're looking at a you know four, five year you know whatever two hundred million dollar contract, and he's you know he's there for the foreseeable future. You think the Pacers 
might have any interest in, might be into something coming up prior to the trade deadline. I've seen a couple of names, and you know everybody always has you know the pipe dream around here of OG and Anobi. I know he's yeah. injured now, and I don't know if there's going to be an effect on that possibility. But we'll start with the Pacers trade deadline-wise. Do you think they may have any interest on the market? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go, right? I mean, you're you're out of the. I think you're out of the ten right now. Um, are you? You know, I don't think you have to sell, um, but you still have about you know ten million in room to go out. And if you want to maybe continue to build up your your draft assets and maybe tell, help a team try to get out of the luxury tax or shave some money, you can certainly go there. Um, you know, if you, you, you've got those two picks, which is Boston. I mean, besides your own, the Boston one. Um, the Cleveland one here. I thought if you were still in the top six, um, you could maybe go shop those and see what you can get here. And um, it's going to be interesting. I think. You, I mean, you mentioned it, the hard part too is that we're we're in a, we're in the middle of you know both sides trying to negotiate this new CBA here. And I think there might be some rules coming down that might help give a little more clarity as far as if there's a deal out there for a guy like OG Ananobi who is not going to sign an extension um, this offseason with Toronto or a new team because it's going to be they're limited here well maybe that changes and that opens up more that you know teams are probably t- willing to give up you know be a little bit more take a uh, take a little bit more of a risk does that uh, that week-long injury he's going through right now does that hinder the effect that he may have on this this trade deadline coming up next week at all Shouldn't. I mean, I think it depends on, I mean, are you looking for him to, you know, I mean, is it a win now? Like, is it Memphis win now and you need him like next week? Or is this type of thing that, you know, he's part of your, your, your future? I, I, I was watching the game when he did. I thought he, I thought he dislocated his shoulder and broke his wrist on the, at the same time. I mean, it was one of the worst falls. And it's amazing that that's all he, you know, he has is, I guess, with a sprained wrist. To Bobby Marks of ESPN, the ESPN NBA front office insider on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What kind of interest might there be? And I hope that they keep him because he's fit in great here. And, you know, three-point shooters with that type of ability, they're long-lasting right now and not going to go away anytime soon value-wise in the NBA. But speaking of value, what is that of Buddy Heald in your estimation? Yeah, I mean, at one time when he signed that extension, we thought it was a little bit of a high number, and now you're, he's, you know, he's a better player. You know, we, we hear a lot about Eric Gordon out there. I mean, he's a better player than Eric Gordon. Uh, he's younger than Gordon here. Um, I, you know, I think he's on a manageable, you know, on a manageable contract here. So it's it's hard because you if you if you flip him and let's say you can get a one, you know, you can get a first. You know, is it a protected first? You know, is it something that you you maybe never get? Yeah, cap flexibility is great. But who are you going to replace him with here? So yeah, now he, you know, shooting is a premium. You see, a lot of these teams looking for big wings, looking for shooting, either to come off your bench, a guy to win you a playoff game. You know, we hear a lot about Malik, Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson in, in Utah here, and I kind of put, um, you know, Buddy kind of up in, up there with those guys. What do you expect the activity to be coming up yeah, between now and next Thursday? Well, I mean, I think you know I've kind of circled Toronto, and they're out um, they're out west on this uh, this sixth game. Where are they in a week from now? I think they kind of dictate that the weather would be uh, with Van Vliet, Trent. You mentioned OG, Chicago's another team. Um, where are they? You know, I don't, I don't see them doing anything with Levine, but some of the their other pieces here. It's the heart. The the plan has kind of put everything in a little bit of a holding pattern. I mean, it really has where. You know, teams aren't really looking to sell. I mean, I think you can certainly 
key in on um, Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte will be interesting with Plumlee and Ubre and Rozier and some of those guys there. And uh, Crowder is, an, you know, another name in, in Phoenix here. But it's slow. I mean, we've had, what, two regular season trades so far. One was a money drop. We've the Hachimura trade last week. And I think, you know, t- you know, first-round picks are limited. I think there's only nine or ten that control them. I think some teams like their roster. I think they're, you'll, you'll wait until the offseason to kind of reassess your roster. Did you like what they did with Hachimura? From the Lakers' perspective, yeah. I mean, I thought those are the type of – if you're not willing to move both ones or either one, those are the type of deals that you're looking to do. Now, the big question is, you know, he's a restricted free agent. He would carve into that $32, $33 million in room. Are they a team in the next, whatever, eight or nine days that are going to go out and target players that are under contract for next season um, and, and go in that direction here? Because if you're not going to give up three, one, uh, three twos, for a guy that you're basically going to kind of let go. Uh, final thing, too, and this is like a point collegiately, and if you haven't watched very much of it or these guys in particular, then uh, I'll understand that completely, and I can ask you again some other time. But sure. when you look at two players that we're going to see on the court together on Saturday in Bloomington, Trace Jackson Davis of yeah. IU and Zach Eady of Purdue, how yeah. do you look at their value at the NBA level right now? Well, I had an opportunity when Trace was coming out, uh, when he, did, I guess, had put his name in there and was kind of testing the waters, just to sit and meet with him and, and help him a little bit with the interview process. And from a maturity standpoint, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you know, good locker room guy, you know, old, probably an older player. He's got that, you know, his dad's got the bloodline there. So, um, I, you know, that's, those are the type of guys, you know, sometimes you're, tr- you're trying to go home run hitting in the draft. Those are the type of um, guys that you're, you're looking for it with Edie. It's, it's just interesting because, you know, we're going to see Victor come through here. Wembleana, he is another big, right. We've kind of transitioned away from it a little bit here, but here's a, I mean, a dominant big, um, probably up there for player of the year, you know, um, conversation here. And, um, it's it's you know it's it's different than you know drafting you know are you going to draft by best available or are you, are you going to draft because you need a center here when he comes out um, so it's fascinating you know because I I do like that we're starting to change a little bit here and um, the focus more is more on you know some of these centers. In terms of Trace Jackson Davis, too, I want to get back to that since you spent some time with him. Would this be something where he's got another year of eligibility? And yeah. considering you know how much he makes via NIL, would compensation-wise yeah. it be more robust for him to stay in Bloomington to play another year, um, maybe then trying to, to come out regardless of what he thinks his game is right now going into next year? Yeah, I mean, we saw it this past year with uh, with Drew Timmy, right? I mean, he went back to um, he went back to Gonzaga. Uh, a lot of it was uh, NIL money. You know, he's making over a million dollars there, and that's more than you know what you're basically making as a, on a minimum salary if you're picking the second round here. So, I think that does weigh in it. I think it is a matter of does we get to a point where maybe some of that money does start to start to dry up. We'll see here, but that's you know that's an option for players that they didn't have you know five or six years ago. 
There's Bobby Marks, always great on the show, the ESPN NBA front office insider. You can find him on Twitter at Bobby Marks 42 He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Man, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on because you shed some light. Like, when I think about too big a numbers, I just get all confused and kind of pass out. So. All right, well, I've been bringing out the whiteboard lately, too, so I'm trying to make it easy. I'm, I, I'm into visuals, right? And people yeah. say, well, why don't you just tweet about it? And I say, well, no, I, oh, I do, but... I, you know, it makes it easy when you just put these numbers up on this whiteboard here, and you're like, yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> well, I get when the numbers start getting fast and furious, I tend to pass out. So I gotta, I gotta call on the expert. I can't thank you enough. Great insight, and we'll stay in touch. Okay. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always really good. I'm glad that I thought to ask about about Trace and Zach there. That's interesting. Quick break, and we'll come back for a final time. Reset today. Dane Fife on the show coming up tomorrow. We'll talk about IU and IU in Maryland tonight. Of course, IU and Purdue coming up on Saturday. Dane Fife on the show in the 4 o'clock hour coming up tomorrow. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And you're nothing but a chameleon, lemon-headed, coward, talent, and I'm after you, buddy. You're going to pay for it. Good night. Thank you very much, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. JMV, Bobby Marks was absolutely outstanding. He was. He always is. He just takes stuff financially cap wise and nba rules to a completely different level that i cannot even come close to comprehending he is so valuable to this show and what is great about him is kyle back in the day eddie josh you text him and he comes right on that's money right there and same thing with Matt Painter. That's why I love that. That's why I want that. It's so easy with these guys because they're good dudes. But there was a ton of info right there. If you missed any of that conversation with ESPN NBA front office executive Bobby Marks, 1075thefan.com. Podcast will be up. Jason Belmonte, the Tiger Woods of the bowling world, U.S. Open of Bowling, that is up at Royal Penn Woodland going on right now through the weekend. And by the way, if you see Jason up there, um, yell some good stuff to him. Yell that you heard him here. He was fantastic. And also Greg Raystraw a little bit earlier. Again, those podcasts, 1075thefan.com. Now, you may have heard this during the break, but before every Pacer game at home, I want you to go to the Saint Shack. That's 250 South Meridian. Just a couple of blocks, obviously, from where you're going to the Pacer game. I want you to use the code JMV Sucks. So go there, use the code JMV Sucks, and redeem a free gourmet hot dog voucher to be used after the game. And let me tell you, head to the Saint Shack because it is a great place to go before or it is also a fantastic place to watch during the game. 12 signature frozen cocktails. I know what you're saying. It's cold outside right now. Frozen cocktails, completely different. So the Saint Shack, just remember to tell them that JMV sucks. I want you to get that free gourmet hot dog. The Saint Shack, 
before every Pacer home game. JMV sucks. Redeem that voucher you're going to get for that gourmet hot dog absolutely free. That's beautiful. The Saint Shack, 250 South Meridian. Jay's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. Hey, JMV. Look here, man. Uh, <clears throat> I went back and watched some of these old Pacer games, man, that they just played, and you know, since uh, Halliburton been hurt, man. And, right. Uh, and I look at them games, and they lost all them games basically on rebounding, man. They they getting clobbered on rebounding. Uh, Rick Carlisle has got to go back big with a big lineup because if he don't, he's going to get Miles Turner hurt. And I know he just signed a contract extension, but he's going to mess around and get the man hurt. He's in there battling uh, front lines of Milwaukee and Orlando. Them guys are, are, are packing 16 and 7-footers. And, and Miles Turner was getting clobbered on the rebound because he don't have no help, and he's going to – Mess around and get him help. So I, I wish he considered going back big, and I believe you know they'll start back winning again. You know because you can't just base everything on Halliburton being out, and that he's going to make this team go. You're going to need more than just Halliburton. I, I tell you, yeah, I, yeah I, I tell you what too. It seems like Jalen Smith is pretty much falling out of the rotation at this point right now. Yeah, he has, and uh, I'm concerned about him too. In fact, he might be on the market. You know. Um, but still, at the same time, man, I think they need to go back big. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Miles Turner and Nigel uh, uh, Jackson in there at the same time. Yeah, it's, that's going to be that'll be that'll be interesting. I I um I I just think that they're and thank you, Josh, for that. I, I just think that they I don't know if their their rebounding situation, Jay, is something they're going to accomplish fixing up to any degree this year. I just yeah. don't. So, and my next thing yeah, is go ahead. Trace, Jackson, Trace Jackson Davis, yep. man. I believe he's a tremendous player, and he's going to be an enforcer in the NBA. And I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Pacer uniform, futuristic. Hey, I will say this too, and I want to double back. And I love Trace, and you know that. But uh, Daniel Tice is set to return, so you know you're talking about the whole rebounding situation, and that dude can get you some boards. So maybe he helps out that cause a little bit. So maybe maybe there's a little bit of a band aid you can put on that with his return. I like to see him in the starting lineup. I like him in Boston. So yeah, yeah he, so he, he is. He yeah, he's uh, targeting coming back, coming up this weekend, Thursday, Friday. I think Sunday as well. So we shall see. Jay, thank you very much for the call. Daniel Tice and Tyrese Halliburton should be back, which is good news, especially in terms of Halliburton. A great show today. Greg Rakestraw, Jason Belmonte, U.S. Open, bowling, Royal Pin, Woodland. Check him out. Yell for him. Tell him you heard him right here. Awesome dude. Bobby Marks was fantastic, breaking down the whole Miles Turner two-year extension, market value for everybody, trade deadline stuff, and even what could be at the professional level NBA-wise for both Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady. Podcast, Bobby Marks, Jason Belmonte, Greg Rakestraw. 1075thefan.com. Josh, great job out of you. Thank you very much. Lounge YouTube Live, you guys are always the best. We'll do it again coming up tomorrow at 3. Trackside right here at 7. Downstairs, 8 o'clock. IU and Maryland pregame show on 93 WIBC. Enjoy the game. Talk with you back here tomorrow at 3. 
Hey, fans want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy it floors to your home, right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot? That's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.